available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everyone, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the Scout 247 CBS Sports Network site thing. <laughs> and, um, wow, good start, David. Yeah. I'm Ryan Abraham. Strong. <laughs> good out of the gate. I'm Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com from that same Scout 247 CBS whatever thing. And we are the Podcast of Champions. We're in, in person. Yeah. Podcast of Champions, Dave. This is crazy. This is the first time in, oh, I'd say about a year and a half. Yeah. We used to, we used to go over to the Fox. See, this yeah. was pre-Scout CBS 247. Uh, but it was also weirdly post-Fox, too. It was. We were just kind of over there. I think we were squatters. We were squatting at Fox. There were still, when we started the podcast, there was like five or six like Scout people that had desks there still. Right. And by the time the podcast was over, everybody was wiped out yeah. and was gone. They were all, I think they were all taken over by Fox Sport, like FoxSports.com people. Mm-hmm. And now those people, I think, were all blown out. We could probably go back there and record if you want. You know? Yeah, that building's probably empty, right? I, th- <laughs> I don't think they fill that space. I would think, so. I, you know, I think my key card probably still works. Probably still works. That would be good. All we right. Well, let's get into the parking. There's a lot you can do. <laughs> uh, but yes, we're the podcast of champions talking Pac 12 football, uh, week one in the book. So we're going to recap. Mm-hmm. What happened in week one and preview what's going to go down in week two. We're going to reveal our power rankings along the way. Um, are we going to do, I guess we should talk about it. Are we going to do like start from the bottom, go to the top, start from the bottom and then do a recap and then also recap and preview their, I, their game. I like that. That's yeah. good. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, pack 12 podcast at gmail.com. Twitter is at pack 12 podcast. We actually did some tweeting. Or I did. I don't know if you did any. Tweeting. I did not tweet a single thing for okay. the Pac-12 well, podcast. I right. was too busy on, on my own. You were uh, in Fuego, and I was <laughs> dying laughing as I was trying to write stories about the USC stuff I have to cover. I couldn't do it because you were making me laugh too much on your Twitter, uh, which was great. Uh, so Pac-12podcast.com is our website, and then a voicemail number six four one seven one five thirty nine hundred extension seven three four nine seven two. Yeah, it was, uh, you were kind of on fire on Sunday, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was feeling inspired by the events unfolding on the, uh, on the, on the Rose Bowl field. Um, yeah, UCLA. Well, I mean, we're going to get to this in a little bit, but that, that game was the dumbest football game I can remember watching <laughs> just in all levels. And I, I thought it really acted as a perfect muse for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, uh, Yes, I was dying laughing. I would try to retweet you from the Pac-12 <laughs> podcast account and like kind of try to have conversations with you in the Pac-12 podcast account because I thought you might have been a little drunk. At least that's what you were I, claiming. I, I wasn't. I wasn't not. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I wouldn't say I was sober as a judge. I mean, maybe like a Kentucky judge. I don't know. So, but it was good. It was, it was good. Day. It was a. It was a good weekend. So overall, Dave, the Pac-12, eleven and zero for the weekend. So. 
Only Stanford was slacker. You know, they didn't play. But. Yeah, but it was still an interesting week um, because I think it changed the complexion of um, maybe what we thought about a few of these teams going into it um, because it was 11 and 0, but a couple of those were a little bit close, a little yes. bit, little bit worrisome. Um, but like teams like, and we'll get to this, but teams like Cal really impressed me, and teams like Oregon State look a lot, lot worse than yeah. we thought they would be. So it was, I think it was an informative week and we'll see how, you know, the theories we develop out of this week kind of carry forward through the rest of the season. I got an email that maybe I'll read this right now for you. Um, Frank in Sacramento, he said, with the dramatic comeback by UCLA, the Pac-12 is now 12 and one overall, including Oregon State's loss and Stanford's win from two weeks ago. The combined offensive points for all those games is 544 or 41.8 points per game. So it looks like scoring will not be a problem in the Pac-12. The teams who figure out defense will come out on top, and right now that is Stanford, Colorado, and Washington State, who gave up a total of 10 points in their three games combined. Frank and Sacramento, any thoughts? Or? I mean, I, th- I think it's always uh, great stuff. I think it's always a little tough to take too much from statistics in Week 1, especially with the quantity of FCS schools that the Pac-12 played in Week 1. You know, I mean, Oregon's 77 points came against Southern Utah. Um, yeah. and just so many of those big point explosions came against FCS schools. Um, so I think that factors in a little bit. I do think it's probably a, a, a Pac-12 season where maybe offensive firepower might rule the day. Um, cause Stanford looks like it's going to be one of those really good offensive Stanford teams. Um, we'll see about the defense. It's hard to tell anything from when you play Rice. Right. <laughs> um, but I think there'll be a strong offensive Stanford team, and that kind of is a bellwether, I think, for the Pac-12 season as a whole because Stanford sometimes has a really elite defense, and then defense somehow is the, the calling card for the Pac-12 that season. <laughs> and it's Stanford rules the day for the conference, and I think uh, the way they go will tell the tale of what kind of season this is. All right. Well, I think it's time, Dave, for our Pac-12 Roundup. I remembered it this time. It was so good. It pretty, was so pretty good. You so get to good. see me pushing the little buttons. I know. Person. I get to see the, the the process behind the magic. Oh, how I'm doing. If I take a nap while if you're talking too long or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, We don't no, usually have that good. problem. Sometimes our calls, maybe we could take a nap. But uh. Yeah, I don't think uh, – there are certainly podcasts where I feel like I just want to um, fall asleep when I'm listening to the other person. Or, you know, sometimes when we have people who call in, maybe I don't fully, like, engage with what I'm hearing um, if it's, you know, droning on for seven to ten minutes. But here, with you and me, we, we just listen to every word. It, it's we usually it more all. interaction for us. And I, I don't know, I mean, with the broadcast, with with – my Peristyle podcast, it seems like all of my guests are very long-winded, so like I could definitely check out for a little while. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you can take a little nap. You can probably go for a run sometimes. Like there's, Run around the office a little. There, there were some podcasts I did back in the day where it was like, I would say something for about, you know, you try to keep your sound bites 20 to 30 seconds, right? That's good radio. Like radio stuff. Yeah, yeah. good radio idea. And then the response would literally be 10 minutes, and I would just be like, all right, I'm gonna, right, I'm just going to close my eyes for a little bit here. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to start at the bottom of our, you know, all important, uh, podcast of champions. So important power rankings, yeah. which that's what, I mean, that's all everyone talks about mm-hmm. is the power rankings. Like where are these teams? So many be? people are talking about it. Um, now there was competition for the 12 spot and mm-hmm. I, I've got to find out who was tweeting me. Uh, there was a, I was getting a Twitter, uh, conversation with a, a, a nice UCLA fan who told me, and I, I'm not going to pull it up right now, but, um, yeah, if I did not rank or we did not rank UCLA 12th, 
Uh, we don't know shit. Right. Um, so, and I told him, well, one, we don't know shit. Right. And two, Oregon State lost to, you know, Colorado State and almost lost to Portland State. So yeah. it's hard to not put Yeah, them. no, no. Portland State, I, I think what he probably meant was rank <laughs> UCLA 12th and then have several, several rungs lower, have Oregon State around 45th <laughs> yeah. in the Pac-12. And it turns out UCLA ended up winning, so they're, they're not going right. to be 12th in our rankings. Are you sure this person who tweeted at you wasn't me, like circa the second quarter? <laughs> there was a lot of, yes, there was a lot of that. Although I did, you know, I even tweeted out the dreaded, this is fine, you know, <laughs> meme yeah. from the pot. It's like, cause it really did not look fine. Well, and then you had the, the perfect, uh, quote tweet of, um, the guy who said, uh, 24 hours from now, UCLA will not be losing to Western Michigan. Yes. And you went, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Cause at that time they were down 34 points to Texas A&M. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. okay. So let's see. Oh, uh, so it was the what's brewing podcast. They had said, I uh, can't wait to hear the results of the battle for 12th in the Pac-12 power rankings. Beavers, Bruins, Bruins, Beavers. So that was obviously before the uh, stirring comeback, the, the epic comeback. It might have been them. They might have been the ones. I, I apologize. We didn't have it pulled up, but um, uh, that was good stuff. But anyway, our number 12 team is Oregon State Beavers. And as we just said, uh, Oregon State nearly gagged a game against portland state at home um this portland state team is probably a little bit better than people gave them credit for before the start of the season because they played byu pretty close as well in week one but there's no excuse for playing a three-point game with portland state at home unless you are bad and i think it's safe to say given the result of week one where they lost to a colorado state team that subsequently uh didn't look even competitive really against colorado um that uh, Oregon State's bad, and if they want to be better, <laughs> they're going to need to really figure some things out. Um, they gave up a ton defensively, and I think that's maybe been the most worrying story from the first two weeks, is that they have given up, they gave up 500 yards to Portland State combined on in passing and uh, rushing, and they gave up a ton to Colorado State, too, and defense was supposed to be early on the calling card of this program. They were going to build on defense and then slowly start to put together an offense, and the offense hasn't been great, but it's been passable. But the defense has been really bad through two games, and they've got to figure something out there. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, they, I mean, they were losing that game very late, you know, late in the fourth quarter. Oh, okay. It was almost a Washington State quarter sort of situation. And Colorado did not do Oregon State any favors by holding Colorado State to three points. I mean, it looked like that offense. People were talking about that quarterback, like Josh Allen's a, yeah. a Mountain West quarterback for Wyoming, and I'm getting tweets like, "The dude at Colorado State's better," and all this stuff, and he looks amazing. And um, you know, they had there were some. I've got some tweets about there were some questionable calls in that game. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that one later. But the fact that Colorado held Colorado State to three points does not make what Oregon State did uh, feel much better. And then you to follow it up with the the Portland State near miss. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're li- living in the cellar right now. And as Dave said, we only go to 12, but they could be in the 40s if, <laughs> if we had to really rank them. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really dicey. Um, and I think, you know, we, we had, what did we end up with? Six and six that we were projecting for Oregon State. We thought they'd have a pretty decent chance at a bowl game. Yeah. I mean, they're one and one right now. So it's not, they're, they're certainly not the end of the world at this right. point for them in terms of this, but they have so many things to figure out. Um, so we'll get into the preview. Um, they're taking on Minnesota. Right. Um, 
And PJ Fleck, row the boat. Yeah. Um, and this one is a uh, Saturday uh, 7 p.m. kick on uh, Fox Sports 1. Oregon State is taking this at home, and they're currently favored by two points. Oregon State is favored? Oregon State is favored by two points at home against Minnesota. Um, I don't feel good about Oregon State being favored over any of their remaining opponents. Um, Minnesota, uh, let's see what they did in week one. Um, so they beat Buffalo 17 to seven, which isn't stirring. It's not gonna, you know, nothing to write home about. Um, but PJ Lex is gonna have them fired up going into that game. Um, and Oregon State, they're scuffling right now. I, I, I've gotta take Minnesota there. Yeah, I'm rowing the boat all the way with Minnesota. There's no way to get points. I know it's on the road and it's not easy to go play in Corvallis. Um, you know, I got to see up close and personal a PJ Fleck built team, you know, in Western Michigan. We'll talk about that one later on. It was a very blue collar disciplined. And I think that's what you expect from like a Gary Anderson team. We just haven't quite seen that yet. I'm sure it'll take some time to kind of implement everything he wants to do in Minnesota. Um, but. It's just Minnesota. I didn't get to see much. Look okay. Like it wasn't like anything that you would write home about. No. But Oregon State looked bad. Oregon State looks really bad. Portland State, even if you acknowledge that they've played two decent competitive games against FBS schools so far, they were not projected to be a great FCS school this year. It's not as if they just like really struggled against North Dakota State. You know, some team right. that's historically beaten a bunch of FBS schools. I mean, Portland State's done it, but this isn't like some world-beating FCS school. Um, to, to kind of almost gag that game away at home uh, speaks to some real issues, and I think largely defensive issues. And so they could turn an, a Minnesota team that has, you know, historically Minnesota's program has never been high-powered offensively, but I wouldn't be shocked if they rack up another four or 500 yards against Oregon State on Saturday. All right, so we act, so for picking this game, we got it uh, right, but there was no line. We You know, if we would have picked... If, if there had been point, a line, we would have picked it wrong, most likely. Yeah, we would have yeah. most likely been, uh, unless there was a bunch of points and we said, let's just take Portland State. Right. Um, yeah, I think, what did we say? If the line had been, I forgot what the point, I think was like, this is one where we said if the line had been a certain point. Yeah, would, and which would have been wrong. Um, right. Because, and also, historically, given our record so far after week one, we would have been wrong no matter what. <laughs> anyway. So, we, you know, it's funny, my theory, people were talking about this, like, it's not easy, and I, I, I'd have to go back and look. I'm keeping track by week, so we'll know now. Uh, I got the little whiteboard here, Dave, with uh-huh. all our stuff. Um, and I, you know, there's so many shows where people like pick games, but then you never hear like what happened. So I, I'd rather like if we're picking, I'd rather like go back and you know grade ourselves and see, you know, because uh, is it worth a shit or not? And last year it was worth a shit, like we were good, right? Um, it's a slower start this year, but I kind of think we did that too. Once we, because we watch all the games and we get yeah, into yeah. the, I think we know the Pac-12 pretty well. By the time we're rolling, there's some surprises, but um, yeah, like I rode Colorado during their like against the spread winning streak because they were like I think they went like nine and zero, I think so, yeah. to start the year. And after watching them, I think it was game two. I was like, oh, they're they're really good, and it took a while for Vegas to catch up with that. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, <laughs> if we're hoping this turns around, I'm hoping it turns around between week two and week ten. Um, <laughs> but I think we have a decent chance once we have a little bit more information. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, bear with us. We're, uh, we were, you know, it wasn't a great week against the spread. A lot of the games we picked, uh, didn't have a spread. Um, so that was kind of a weird week. Um, but all right. Okay. Let's move on. We're going to go to our number 11 team. Arizona State Sun Devils. 
And I think we dropped them from last week. Where did we have them last week? They were like ninth or tenth, right? Yeah, we ha- they dropped significantly. Yeah. Um, that was that was a game where they they actually were covering the spread. Well, I'll let you talk about it, but there was like a backdoor uncover. Like they were covering the spread late and then just gave up all the points. Yeah, they gagged pretty hard. And I mean, if you look at the final totals, they gave up. I mean, if you were looking for hope that Arizona State's defense has like made some serious strides. I mean, look elsewhere than this game. Um, <laughs> they gave up 550 yards, almost 400 through the air. Um, a lot of the same issues. I mean, I thought their their secondary really didn't play particularly well. Um, New Mexico State, it was kind of a backdoor thing. Like, it was kind of a backdoor cover for them. But yeah. it was still, you, you just can't have that sort of game at home when you're coming off the season they just did. And you're looking to build on things, and you're looking to build on, okay, if we can be a little bit better defensively, if we can be just a little bit better, that'll give us some optimism, something to build on, some excitement. And to win that game by six points, to be kind of in nervous territory towards the end, um, I don't think that's what they wanted in their opener. Um, I think they still have a lot of things to figure out defensively. It's a little less blitz-happy of a defense, um, so there's that. And maybe they're just kind of ironing out the kinks with what that means for them, but... Yeah, I, I did not. I didn't think this was a very strong effort for Arizona State. No, and uh, Manny Wilkins, if you weren't paying attention, he did get the start. Um, so they got Blake Barnett, the transfer from Alabama, but Manny Wilkins started the game. They actually scored their first two drives, and they pretty much did nothing the rest of the first half. So that was a little strange. Um, their kicker, it's funny, Brandon Ruiz is like this dude that apparently could make like 78 yarders. Yeah. He missed a 56 yarder, but I think he hit like a 52 yarder. So that was kind of cool. Um, so they got, they got a long distance kicker. You can kind of watch out for that. But Arizona State played the same 11 guys on defense for the entire first half. And I think a lot of the second half where there's like a couple subs, USC starts doing stuff like that with Clancy Pendergast. He's more of a NFL kind of minded guy. College coordinators tend to substitute a lot. I thought that was kind of a strange. Move because it's not like it was a. It wasn't cool. a cool night in no. Tempe. I mean, it was that was hot. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get that. Um, I thought Manny Wilkins played well though. Yeah. I mean, I think you've got to give him credit. I think he's he. Um, you know, I think he kind of tailed off a little bit last year. Um, but starting off the year really strong. I mean, with uh, you know accuracy was never a strong suit for him. But going twenty two of twenty seven for three hundred yards, um, averaging over eleven yards per pass attempt. Like, that's what you want to do against a school like New Mexico State. The big worries for Arizona State are the same things that were there essentially last year, is they really are struggling running the ball. Yeah. And if you struggle running a ball, the ball against a school like New Mexico State, you're in real trouble. Yeah. Um, and they, defensively, they're still, they still look to be somewhat of a mess. That's funny. Kalen Balaj is like amazing sometimes. And then, but they, I don't know what, if it's scheme, something's not right sometimes when he's in there, but I would, I'd let him run the ball more. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so Arizona State wasn't, I don't, I don't think they were dominating this game because the spread we had it at 23 and a half points, but they got a pick six. I think it was in the fourth quarter and, uh, kind of set up the cover. Like that was like, okay. Yeah. Now it's like, now it's time to, you know, now you're, you've already covered the end of the game. They're going to definitely, you know, right. just stretch this lead out a little bit and stuff. New Mexico State scored three late touchdowns, including one at the freaking buzzer. Yeah. Like, it was the weirdest thing. And Todd Graham was almost, like, smirking after the game, kind of like, yeah, we could have left the starters in a little longer and stuff. I mean, I guess maybe because they played the starters the whole time oh, yeah. that 
by the end, they just like, well, let's pull everybody and then what give was, up three touchdowns. What was the starting line on this one? Was it three touchdowns? It was 23 and a half is what we 23 had. 23 and a half. That's what we had when we did it on last Monday. So. Yeah. And, I mean, you won by six, buddy. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be smirking too much after that one. No. Um, so we so did it, not get this right because we picked uh, – Arizona State. Yeah, we picked it. We had too much confidence in Arizona State. They were, they were. To be fair, they were beating the spread at some point. They were up by twenty four. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it did. And Texas A and M was beating the spread at one point too. They were. But um, so all right. So the and then this Saturday, uh, <laughs> San Diego State is going to Tempe. Uh, this is an eight p.m. kick on the Pac twelve network. Um, ASU is favored by four. Um, going into this year, I thought San Diego State was actually going to be pretty decent. Um, in week one, they beat UC Davis, and I don't know how much you can take from that, 38-17. But I think San Diego State's going to be a pretty decent uh, Mountain West team this year yeah. um, from everything I've read and heard. Um, I didn't catch any of that game against UC Davis. I'm not even sure if it was televised. Um, but this is a tricky spot, I think, because no matter how much better New Mexico State is than it was last year, and I don't know that it is, um, San Diego State's a full cut above that. Um, and coming to town... Uh, Pac-12 night game. Um, if they try to do the same thing defensively that they did in this game where they play 11 guys the whole first half, I think against a team like San Diego State that has better athletes, better players than in New Mexico State, this is a worrying spot, I think, for Arizona State. Um, I'll, whew, I'll go with ASU. I'll Ooh. go with them minus four. Um, but if they, if they don't, if they don't cover this, this is, I promise you, the last time I will take ASU this year. I was kind of convinced. So I can talk myself into taking ASU and I was thinking you were going to take San Diego State. So I thought this would be a different one, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to stay with it. I'll stay with uh, Arizona State because we did see, if you watch that game, there were spots that like, yeah, yeah. they they can run the ball. Like Manny Wilkins can get, play- they just took time off. Like it was just, the, they didn't play the whole game, obviously. Yeah. And giving up a whole bunch of points at the end was, was kind of weird. Yeah. You never know how much, how seriously they were taking that game because it was New Mexico State, which is historically, as we went through last week, a historically bad program. Yeah. So there's some element of that. It was hot as hell. You know, there was a lot going on that you're just like, <laughs> mm, maybe they weren't taking that completely seriously. And we'll get to some other games that were maybe in that similar vein. Yeah. But. The, uh, it was funny that smirk that Todd Graham gave like at the final like interview or whatever when he was walking off the field. It just always kind of felt like, yeah, I had, I had New Mexico State in the points. Like, one of those things. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly one of those right. Things. Like, what? Like, it was just kind of like, ha ha, you thought we were in cover and we didn't. Uh, so it just, I, I won in many ways tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of, I don't know what it was, but it just felt a little kind of weird like that. But whatever, that's, uh, you know, I, I kind of think they're going to bounce back. Like sometimes week one to week two, there's improvement and there, I, I just feel like there was enough good stuff there, um, that they'll be able to handle San Diego State at home. For sure. Uh, we'll see. Okay. So our, uh, number 10 team is Arizona Wildcats. So this one I only caught a little bit of. Um, and then I watched some more on just kind of the highlights. Uh, I mean, this is one of those where Arizona did exactly what it's supposed to do against an FCS school, uh, beat Northern Arizona 62 to 24. Um, I was following it a little bit early and early on, it was a little bit more competitive, like into the, I think deep into the second, third quarter, it was, or into the second quarter, it was relatively close. Arizona had like a seven point lead, 21, 14 for a while. Um, and then they just pulled ahead. Um, and they just smoked them in the second half. I think the final line for Arizona offensively is 506 rushing yards. 
Now they didn't do anything in the past game. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was Brandon Dawkins seven of thirteen for eighty nine yards. I don't think anyone is expecting Arizona to be a strong passing team, and they didn't really attempt a whole lot in this one. But you, if they're going to win games in the Pac twelve, they're going to have to be more multi dimensional. Um, I don't think they have like an Oregon two thousand ten rushing attack that they can just lean on that and let that be the you know the main thing for them right i I mean it can be the main thing for them i just don't think it can be the sole thing for them um but they were able to just crush northern arizona just running the ball um there were oh here's a good stat uh six different guys averaged over 10 yards a carry (laughs) and as a team they averaged 10.8 yards a carry and they had seven touchdowns on the ground wow that's a lot uh, well, you know, we knew this, they, this, they had a veteran offensive line coming right. into the season. So I think that's, that was on display, but there's also almost 50 new players on the roster. Mm-hmm. So this is, seems like a perfect oh, yeah. opener, uh, for Arizona and Rich Rod. Um, you know, I'm not going to ding them for, you know, playing Northern Arizona. They look good. They look good playing against them. Uh, we're going to have to see Brandon Dawkins when Pac-12 play starts, you know, throwing the ball around a little bit more yeah. and, uh, I'm sure they're going to try to. I don't know how much success they'll have, but that's. Uh, I think it's what you wanted. You know, you you needed something like that. There's a lot of turnover on this roster. They needed uh, a good game under their belt, and, that, and that's what it was here. So, no, I don't think I have any problems with anything. No, and you you run that. You run 500 yards. I mean, that gives you a confidence boost for the rest of the season. Like you've got you've got that in your back pocket. Like we can we can run the ball. Yeah. Um, whether we can run the ball and pass the ball is an open question, but you can lean on that one thing. Um, Defensively, I mean, they gave up a bunch of yards, but it was on like 92 plays and they were going tempo. So I don't know how much you take from that. Um, they, I test wise from what I saw, they didn't look as bad to me defensively as Arizona State did. Like Arizona State, I didn't like the way the secondary was playing. Arizona, I didn't really have as many issues with, but that was more of an eye test issue. Um, yeah. and so we'll see against, it's so hard to judge when they're playing these bad opponents you know, qualitatively, how good is their defense? You just don't know because they could be playing down to them. They could be, you know, it's only like a team like Stanford that routinely crushes the bad opponents at the beginning of the year. Like as we'll get to with USC, constantly crushing teams that are under talented compared to you is actually more difficult than you would think because you have to be motivated. You have to be super into it to do it. And, you know, when you got Mike Yam on the, you know, Pac-12 sports report, you you score 62 points. There's a lot of fun plays you can bring up and stuff. So, they they were good. Like they, they were you know, good. they were they, they were fine. Like yeah. no no problem with week one for Rich Rod here. Uh what about week two though? This is uh Yeah, this is going to be um an interesting one. Uh so Houston is coming to town um on Saturday night, seven thirty PM on ESPNU. Uh Houston is favored by one on the road. Um so it's a different Houston team. Uh Tom Herman is obviously in Texas now, but a lot of the guys he recruited is still there. Yes. Um and so it's we haven't gotten a look at Houston yet without Tom Herman there because the Houston UTSA game was canceled, obviously, due to Harvey and, and all the, the storm ravaged, you know, everything there. Um, they're but, originally going to delay it, right? But then they end up canceling they it. They ended up postponing yeah. it. Yeah. I think it'll be postponed. Um, typically what they do is they postpone till the end of the season or like if they've got a bye week somewhere, they try to fit it in. But, um, we haven't gotten a look at Houston yet, but it's an experienced squad that was very good last year, very good the year before against an Arizona team that uh, was not good uh, last year, and we still don't know, really, because we've only seen them against Northern Arizona. I'm going to take Houston here. I just think they're used to winning. I think they're um, 
uh, more experienced across the board. I think they've got a program mentality that's there. It's hard to know not having seen them yet this right. year, but um, I, I'll just go with kind of the historic. You know, they've been a winning team now for a couple of years. I'm in the same boat. You don't you don't get to see them. Didn't see a whole lot. You know, from this this game, Arizona, uh, Northern Arizona. I mean, you felt pretty good about it, but you don't know what they're here to play. I mean, Houston's got four and five star athletes for like a a non power mm-hmm. five team to have that. That's what Tom Herman brought. So. Um, not easy to play on the road. Maybe they'll be a little sloppy because they didn't get to play the first right. game. But I think the until I know more about Arizona and, and some of the young players and how they're getting integrated, and, and norm, I think I'm going to take Houston here too. So yeah, I think just, that's I think that's only fair at this point. Um, it just seems like the safest. Uh, I'm not trying to be safe, but I'm just saying, you know, like that's look. Sometimes we like to be safe and secure. All right. If we had to put our money on something, which is you know, we're putting our reputation here. Which is, yeah, our sterling. Reputations. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have uh, this is be our number. Wow, this is a team that dropped. Our number nine team is, if I can find it on the chart, Utah Utes. So just so everyone knows, the next four teams were all, like, in our eyes, essentially even after week one. We had to put them in some order. So, you know. Get angry about it, but don't get too angry about it because we just kind of, we really didn't spend a lot of time on it. We just kind of picked them this way. Yeah. But, um, so Utah, uh, kind of as predicted, I think we said, you know, North Dakota's gonna give them a test because they're a decent enough FCS school, but yeah. Utah, if it did what it needed to do, would win by two or three touchdowns. And that's exactly what they did. Um, North Dakota held it close for a while, but Utah eventually pulled away 37 16. Um, it was a, you know, a one score game at halftime. Um, it was a one score. Well, it was a 27 16 game at one point in the second half. You know, North Dakota hung in there, but I think Utah's just, you know, they did kind of what Utah does, which is, you know, they're not going to necessarily blow you out. Um, you know, from snap one, but they just methodically piled in points, um, and eventually pulled away. Um, the most exciting thing about this was seeing, seeing Tyler Huntley for the first time and he is, he definitely looks the part, um, threw the ball really well, but also ran the ball really well. Um, kind of showed off that true dual threat that, um, I think has a lot of, uh, Utah's coaching staff really excited. Um, the running game for Utah was strong. Um, Moss was really, really good. They ran for almost six yards of carry, um, which is great. And they had good balance. I mean, they, they combined for, uh, just under 500 yards, which yeah. for a Utah team that's not going to run at a ton of tempo, uh, that's great. Um, they did that on a total of, yeah, 79 plays, which is great. That's a great average. And, uh, I thought it was a really, really solid game for them. And North Dakota, like we said in the preview, they're a top 10 FCS school. This wasn't like some patsy FCS school. It's right. like a Southern Utah or Northern Arizona. This was a legit, you know, not a test, but it was a legit opponent. And, uh, I thought they, they played really well. Now I kind of feel bad dropping them down to nine. Cause yeah, you know, they, they did, I thought they did play well. This, the, the, the line ended up being when we did the, our show, there was no line, ended up being 20. So we would have got this right if we stuck with mm-hmm. Utah, which I kind of think, I think 20 would have been okay. I think yeah. I would have taken that. I think we said they should win it by three touchdowns. Yeah. I think I remember saying that. So, so, so not a bad thing there. So we would, you know, we got this one right, but it would have been a line one. We think we would have got it too. Um, I was driving around doing a whole bunch of errands. I had to do like a radio interview. This was like a Thursday uh, evening game, but I had my phone on. So my wife is like looking at me. So my phone, like on my little dashboard mm-hmm. with the 
was this the Pac-12 one or was it ESPN or whatever it was? I had the app. Oh, this was up. definitely Pac-12. Yeah, Pac-12 one. So I had a, the Pac-12 now app on my phone and watching it driving around. And I think we went into a store and I was watching it and she's looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I want to see what happens in the game. You know, like I got, da- I got to talk with Dave afterwards. <laughs> uh, but it was funny. So it was sort of a slow, uh, sort of a slow start. Uh, Huntley kind of got rolling and then I think it was, they weren't really running him at first. Right. And then once he started running, it kind of changed the whole yeah. game. He was a beast back there. Uh, the defense was good. They were steadily as usual. I thought the offensive line looked good. I know there's a lot of turnover there. Um, Darren Carrington. So he had the last catch at Rice yep. Eccles Stadium last year mm-hmm. as a member of the Ducks. And then he had the first one as a member of the Utes. So the, the last two catches and t- touchdown catches in Rice Eccles were him. And boy, he did not take long to make an impact at Utah. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, say whatever you will about weird transfer rules in this conference, but going from <laughs> playing for Oregon last year. To catching 10 balls for 120 yards in game one for Utah this year. Yes. Uh, yeah, incredible. Um, but Utah, I mean, it, we say this every year, but we like end up, we start out picking them like seven and five, eight and four. And then it's going to, you just know it's going to be six games into the year and we're going to be like, Utah's going to win the conference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have that. Yeah. They might tail off at the end and they won't do that, but they just have this way of just building and building and building and, um, when you play competent defense the way they do year in and year out, and it looks like they have a real offense now. I mean, we'll see it against a real opponent soon enough. Yes. But, um, maybe not this week. I'm, I'm trying to win favors with the Utah fans again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not this week, but soon enough we'll see them against a real opponent. Um, but this was, uh, this was a, a nice first step, I thought. It was. And, uh, Troy Taylor, the new offensive coordinator. Now there's always a new offensive coordinator yeah. in Utah it's by the rule. Defense against the dark arts position. Uh, yes. But, but I think the thing here was the offense looked like it was an offense that you needed the quarterback to make plays. It wasn't like the quarterback was a necessary evil that right. was just like a bit player or something. This was actually the, like the, the, the office was running through the quarterback and he, you know, it was on his legs and his arms and stuff like that. So I, I think that that fit really well. Uh, and it, it, it's going to be a more dynamic offense now. Uh, biggest concern, 11 penalties, 139 yards, a little disciplinary stuff, but, um, overall, it looks like a different Utah team. And, um, I'm feeling weird even dropping them down now, but whatever, you know. Like. Yeah, we, we really didn't think this through. Don't, don't worry about it, but we really didn't. Um, uh, we're, we're both impressed by Utah and we dropped them. So that was- I mean, I was willing to drop UCLA to number nine, but, uh, just, we didn't think about it. Okay. Yeah. It so. wasn't, so it's a win over an FCS school, even though it's a good FCS school. We both, yeah, those are the numbers. We both think that Utah is a contender. So yeah, I think one through nine are real contenders. I think 10, 11 and 12 are. I think we can safely say that 10, 11, and 12 probably won't be competing really for the, even the division championships. Yeah. Okay. So we both pick, um, well, we haven't done the game. Oh, I'm yet. sorry. Yeah. We have, we're going to do the preview. So, uh, this is another night game on Saturday. Utah is taking on, um, is this by or BYU? This is at BYU. Oh, at BYU. Are, so that's did, one did you, letter off people. One letter yeah. off. I did. <laughs> It, Who did, look, someone emailed me. Someone emailed and was not happy about our first denigrate. It was really complicated because he wasn't happy about the way we denigrate ourselves and saying that we don't know anything. But then he also was unhappy with the mistake we made, which seems counterintuitive. Here, I'll read it real quick. He said, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and really enjoy your insights. I do have two criticisms stemming from the most recent podcast. One, the whole 10-minute intro banter on how little prep you guys do 
and how dumb you claim to be is off-putting and happily mostly incorrect. Please just dispose with it. All right, so. Okay, fine. Uh, two. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I was just, I'm not happy. I was disappointed <laughs> with the, with the, so he was, he said, no, you guys prepare plenty, and then he's going to complain about how we prepare. I was disappointed with uh, the many glaring errors and silly banter about them. It would be quite literally take you five minutes to pre-podcast, of pre-podcast prep to have the schedule of all teams laid out and not fumble about whether Utah has a bye or is playing BYU. These glitches are completely avoidable and would increase the professionalism of your podcast immensely. Otherwise, please, please keep up the good work, and I really enjoy listening to you both. Um, Haters gonna hate. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was it was a well-meaning email, but it was. Um, yeah, I mean, and it did like it doesn't take five minutes. It took me about a half an hour to. Yeah, take, no, I have like to, twelve to, Google Sheets up to here. actually grid this stuff out. It does take some time, like taking you completely behind the curtain and behind the jokes. I mean, we do do. I said doo doo. Um, we do like a lot of preseason stuff. Like I end up like doing a grid of all the games where I'm going to pick and it changes as the season goes on, but I reference it when I'm, you know, going through what I'm going to say on this thing so that I, you know, at least vaguely am consistent with what that, you know, stuff is. And then week by week we watch all the games. I mean, we try to stay informed about all that stuff. So, you know, would I, would I normally sit down and watch a ton of Utah, North Dakota? No. But no. because we do this, I, you know, I'll watch a half of it. I'll watch three quarters of it. Try to get a good feel for Utah. Um, because we want to, we want to give you something good. Yeah. We want to give you something bad. We do. I mean, we put time into this and it's like we said, we don't make any money off it. No, I was really... at a family function on Saturday and I had like USC Western <laughs> Michigan just on my phone. People were criticizing me and I was just doing it. And yeah, my wife will complain and stuff, but we, yeah, we, we definitely try to put prep work into it. Um, and I do, I've created like a whole, you know, a Google sheet for every Pac-12 team or Google Doc. And, you know, I wrote down the whole schedules, but it took a long time to put all those and the way I was kind right. of formatting. And I just, it was one letter off. How did you make that mistake? It was BYU. How did you by. do that? Yes. Savage. And then I looked and I'm like, oh crap. So Haters gonna hate. We do apologize that. But so anyway, now they're not playing by, they're playing they're BYU. They're playing BYU. That digression's gonna piss them off. Um, so they're playing, uh, BYU. This one's at 7.15, so another night game on Saturday. It's on ESPN2. Um, BYU has looked pretty butt so far this season. <laughs> I don't know if you caught much of their LSU game, but I was watching that. Kinda, they didn't score a point. I was kind of half watching that and half watching a couple other games, but uh, they didn't score a single point, and they looked bad trying <laughs> to score those points. Um it was it was a really 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 bad performance. Um, Tanner Mangum doesn't really look like the same guy who came in in place of Taysom Hill two years ago. Yeah, uh, he just doesn't look very good. Their running game is so bad. Uh, they ran for negative five total yards, um, and Gojo. then they, they gave up a good amount. Like they gave up a ton on the ground. They gave up on three almost three hundred yards to LSU on the ground. Uh, Danny Etling. They didn't really try to throw the ball too much, but Danny Etling was able. to basically able to get whatever he wanted um it was really really bad um utah from game one looks like a much better team um just schematically they look more dynamic they look more modern they look faster they look quicker um you know this is byu favored by one i would take utah minus seven in this game um so i'm i'm jumping on the utes no question about it i think they're gonna really beat up on byu 
That is baffling to me. So the, these I, are I'm starting to think these lines might be wrong. I'm 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 looking this. I'm looking up for an independent source. Okay. You, you you talk for a second. Okay. So Dave's gonna check on his phone with the stuff. Yeah. For me, um, I didn't get to catch a ton of the LSU game, and you know when you play LSU and all those athletes, yes, you can get overwhelmed. It can be, it can just be soul crushing. And uh, if if they get on a roll and they're just running the ball down your throats and you can't do anything on defense. It can make you look way worse than you are, and maybe that's part of kind of what happened here. But uh, like we said, I like the way Utah was playing. Uh, I think they answered some of the questions about the players that they lost because they had a whole bunch of guys drafted mm-hmm. from last year. I would have thought Utah was favored, even BYU though BYU is favored. They B- are for sure favored. Yeah, by one to one and a half points. So. Yes, I'll take Utah and a point for sure. I would take Utah minus seven, yeah, like a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it, to the six, like in the six, six and a half, like seven might make me think more, but up to six and a half, I don't yeah. think I would think about. Uh, it. BYU's looked really bad. They played a really close game with Portland State for a long period of that game, and they just got shut out by LSU. Yeah, and yeah, Utah maybe won't be as good and athletic as LSU, but they're better and more athletic than BYU. Right. All right, so we will both take. Uh, Utah and getting a point. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's free points for me. Um, I, I'm liking our picks already, Dave, because like, these are actual lines. When you're picking with like the no line stuff, they're just, that's just weird. Yeah, once we get the FCS out of the way, it makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. Because we can suddenly, you know, actually have a good gauge for what we're picking. And we're seeing, you know, you're play, uh, playing San Diego State. Never, you know, I haven't seen them yet. Like, what yeah, are they doing? It's going to okay. be fun. So number eight we have, and this is a, you know, big jump from, they were at number 12 to start the, uh, start the year. California Golden Bears. <laughs> Yeah, and this might not be the final leap they take. If there was a team I was most impressed by, like from uh, where I was expecting them to be to what they actually are, it's Cal. Uh, Cal beat North Carolina 35-30, um, and they were impressive as heck on both sides of the ball. Um, I thought defensively, they've got an attacking scheme. Like they are getting after it. They're pinning their ears back, really trying to get upfield, disrupt get after the quarterback, and I thought they did a really nice job of it. Um, you know, I think there's maybe a little bit of a talent deficit on defense, but you can make up for a lot schematically in coaching. They made some great hires in the offseason. For yeah. for as bankrupt as that program is, essentially, from a monetary standpoint, they hired a bang-up staff. And Justin Wilcox, jury's out on him as a head coach, but he hired some great names. Yeah. Um, and I thought defensively, they looked really good against North Carolina. And it's a North Carolina team that's expected to take a step back. You know, they're down. Mitch Trubisky's gone, and they're reloading on offense and defense. Um, But it was still, I mean, just stunning to see the way they were able to, you know, really take it to them defensively, especially at the beginning of the game. And then offensively, they looked pretty gar- pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's a spread. Up you wanted to say garbage, but it was actually good. Pretty good. Um, <laughs> they were uh, spread up tempo, fast. I mean, it was just you know they're gonna they're gonna put it together in some games this year where they really scare the crap out of the top tier of this conference. I, I really believe that. Like, I think that Stanford Cal game could be interesting because if Cal, when you have that kind of spread up tempo scheme and you get it just right in a particular game, I mean, it can. It can make magic happen. Um, and I think Cal, Cal's going to scare some teams in the Pac-12. I think they're a bull team. I think they're probably the team that, in my estimation, ca- kind of like Colorado last year, they probably make the biggest jump for me from what I was expecting preseason versus what I saw in week one. Yeah, that's, I mean, we don't want to go too overboard on just week one, but to go on the road and play, you know, in North Carolina, first, you know, first time Justin Wilcox ever been the head coach, 
the fact that they played as hard as they did, I think that answers most of the questions. Mm-hmm. Like even if they lost this game, they were playing hard, you know. And yeah. uh, my guy Tim DeRuiter is the new defensive coordinator over there, so yeah. I I liked him a lot when he was covering, uh, when he was the head coach at Fresno State. Um, I don't think he was a great no, but he's a stellar DC. Yeah, like as far as like recruiting, DC. like he didn't do the recruiting stuff no. all that well at Fresno State. He wasn't recruiting locally, whatever. But being Justin Wilcox's defensive coordinator and it was more aggressive than what you see from a Justin oh, yeah. Wilcox defense, which I didn't really kind of expect. And I guess I should have, but right. this, so that just like looking at it, you're like, okay, that makes a lot of stuff Cal's doing makes more sense, I think, yeah. you know, and maybe who, even if they go, you know, three and eight or so three and nine or four and eight or whatever, like, I just think this is going to be a better team. And if he can keep it going that way, um, they're, they're going in the right direction. I think they're doing things that he's going to put his own stamp on the program. So I've never been a big, you know, Justin Wilcox fan. Sometimes you get like a younger head coach, you hire a couple of experienced older right. coordinators and a good staff and you kind of manage everything. He's like the, the millennial CEO of some, yeah. uh, you know, software company or right. something and, and hires all these like tech gurus yeah. to be around him. I mean, it could work. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a 9 a.m. game. Like there yeah. was a lot stacked against Cal from like a lot of different perspectives. It was a 9 a.m. game on the road on the East Coast against a FBS opponent. Pac-12 schools historically do not well do well oh, doing terrible. that stuff. Yeah. Stanford famously two years ago lost to Northwestern at the beginning of the year doing the same thing or roughly the same thing. Uh, UCLA really struggled against Virginia a couple years ago trying to do the same thing. So to come out of that with a win is huge. Um, and it does make you reevaluate the rest of the season. Like they're going to beat Web- Weber State, which we'll get to in a, well. Let's just do it right now. They're playing Weber State at 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. There's no line that I can see. Cal's going to beat them. Okay. Sound good? <laughs> uh, but then they play Cal. Uh, then it's Ole Miss. And I didn't like how Ole Miss looked in week one. I think they've got a real chance in that at home. Uh, USC, let's even call that a loss still. Cal, Oregon, I think that'll be an even fun game. Yep. Uh, Cal, Washington, let's still call that a loss. Fine. Um, Washington State, Cal, at Cal, that's going to be a game. Um, Arizona, Cal, that's a sure Cal win. Cal Colorado, I think, is an even game. Oregon State at Cal is a sure Cal win. Uh, Cal Stanford is going to probably be a Stanford win, but I think that could be scary for Stanford. And then Cal UCLA at the end of the year, we'll get to UCLA in a second, but that's suddenly a really dangerous game for UCLA. I think Cal's a, a six and six team pretty comfortably this year now based off of just what I saw in week one. Now, maybe they, the wheels come off and some injuries happen or whatever, but Based off performance, based off the way they looked coaching wise, I, I think they're a, they're a, they're a bowl team. I like this is uh, Dave's all in on Cal right now. Uh, they were they were the most impressive team, like from where I expected them to be yeah. in week one. We have to have Gorsi on. We both got this wrong, dude. I am actually channeling Ryan Gorsi right it now. It is. Yeah. Uh, so there was an eleven point spread that North Carolina was favored by. We both took North Carolina. Yeah. Felt good about it. We both felt really strong about it, which. <laughs> speaks to again the difference between my preseason expectations and where i am now but i think yeah and and we'll see if cal's able to kind of keep things going but i think the combination of like the the veteran coaching staff with just a new you know attitude uh playing to the talent i think um you know we'll see how he recruits and uh you know how the staff i'm you know i love the rooter didn't think he was the greatest recruiter in the world i never thought justin wilcox was like a right you know, super amazing recruiter. So I mean, but Cal's I'm, recruiting decently right now. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. If they put together a decent year, I think they'll be they'll be in decent shape by the end of the year. So should be, uh, I don't know, it should be interesting. 
Uh, but yeah, Cal moving, moving up and I'm uh, big and bullish on Cal. All right. Yeah. All right. So good stuff with Cal. Uh, let's see. We're going to go to longtime Bears fan, longtime Bears fan. Uh, Dave's uh, super crush from last year, number seven, we have Colorado Buffaloes. Okay, so Colorado put together a decent game against Colorado State. Um, this one was kind of an interesting game because it was 17 to 3 at halftime and then it was 17 to 3 final. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot of scoring action, uh, at any point in this game, but especially in the second half. Um, I thought Colorado in the first half looked darned impressive. Um, their defense, which I think many of us were expecting to take a major step back, uh, really didn't in this game. Um, they didn't give up a whole lot. I mean, on 80 plays, they gave up under 400 yards, which kept them under five yards average per play. That's great. That's, that's good, solid yeah. defense. Um, kept them to three points, which is even better. Um, I thought offensively they were solid. Uh, Steven Montez maybe wasn't at the, like the best level that we've seen him because we saw him at points last year where he looked really, really good. Um, and I don't think he was quite at that level. Maybe it'll take him a little while to iron out the, the kinks a little bit, but Philip Lindsay was a stud on the ground. Um, just kind of picked up exactly where he left off. Um, I think he's going to be one of the premier backs in the Pac 12 this year. Um, and you know, they, I thought they did more or less what they needed to do. The second half got super weird. Um, there was a flurry of flags late, um, and it just kind of, it was one of those games where it looked like the Pac-12 recruit, uh, officials just kind of gagged it away. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I thought Colorado more or less dominated most of the proceedings, so I thought it was a fair thing that they won, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I got a lot of tweets about some of the flags in that game. I think they might have tweeted uh, the Pac-12 podcast thing too, but there was apparently like three, three offensive yeah. pass interference ones that were like basically took scores off the board for right. Colorado State. So there were some Rams fans that weren't happy. I thought there was a, someone wrote an article that they sent me an article about it and uh I was reading that. And, you know, there were some of the just kind of they they didn't feel it was like um biased. It was just incompetence. And you know, we've we've seen that from the Pac twelve officials before. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean simple incompetence for sure. I don't know how it would have changed the complexion of the game. Um I mean Colorado State legitimately should have scored a little bit more. Um, they shouldn't have been held the three points. Um, but I don't know if that would have changed the way Colorado played offense from there. You know, it's just, it's tough to gauge exactly how it might have affected the complexion of the game. Okay. Legitimately at the end of the first half, Colorado was up by two touchdowns, right? And so they were dominating the game at that stretch. And then, yeah, the officiating got stupid. And, you know, maybe this should have been Colorado by seven instead of Colorado by 14. It's the final margin. Um, but, you know, maybe Colorado, yeah, plays with a little more, more urgency offensively at the end if they are getting scored on. We both took uh, the points here, Colorado State plus five and a half. So maybe the officials kind of screwed our cover. Like maybe it would have been a. Yeah, I think I think there was a vast conspiracy to prevent I... us from actually. I so everyone out there, I didn't win a single game against the spread last week. Ryan did, and we'll get to it in a second. But I did not. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the Utah one would have been like you would like there was no mm -hmm, line, but mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, if there'd been a line, theoretically, I might have picked Utah. Yeah, yeah we sure. did that well in the no line good, game. Good, but good, good, good. That was, uh, yeah. So I guess a little concerning for me, Dave, that we saw, I mean, no matter what, even if Colorado State should have scored a few more points, like they, their offense looked amaze balls against Oregon State. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, this is going to be a legit yeah. team. And the fact that Colorado, you know, essentially shut them down was good. 
would have liked to see a little bit more offense from Colorado in the second yeah. half. Um, you, you know, they got nine returning starters. You want that to be the offense is going to have to carry this team. If, if the defense plays better than we expect, that's fine. I know they got some transfers in. I know Mike McIntyre is more bullish on his defense than maybe all of us seeing all the right. senior leadership that was gone. But I don't think that's going to be a team that can rely on the defense like they did last year. They're going to have to be a real, you know, a dynamic offense. And with Steven Montez, you think they can be that way. It's first game. I just don't think they're there yet. Yeah, my overall picture of the team hasn't changed a whole lot. Maybe I think they're going to be a little bit better now. But I think it's more the case that the offense might not be as great as we thought it might be with nine returning starters. But the defense might be a little bit better than we thought it was going to be with only two or three returning starters. Um, So I think, you know, maybe the complexion of the team is a little bit different than we were expecting. So that was some Friday night fun there. Yeah, and so they get an... Is Texas State still an FCS school? I think they are. I have no idea. Whatever. Texas State, <laughs> which is some garbage team from Texas. Um, they're going at Colorado. I mean, Baylor, Texas A&M, and Texas <laughs> yeah. all lost. Like, what is Texas State going to do? They're, they're all garbage. Okay. Um, uh, Texas State going at Colorado at 11 a.m. on Saturday on the Pac-12 network. Colorado is uh, – they do have a line on this one, so it might not be a pure FCS school. Uh, Colorado is favored by 35 and a half Let's see what Texas State did in week one. We have no idea what Texas State is. Texas State, hey, Texas State beat Houston Baptist by nine. Okay, so Houston Baptist, they have a really good running back, and they no, I have no idea. (laughs) We don't know anything about anything. Um, uh, It looks like Texas State is probably not FCS. They look like they are strong, maybe Sunbelt here. Um, oh yeah, it's probably. I think they're like a Sun Belt team. Yeah. Or something. Okay. Um, I still base most of my knowledge on who's FBS or FCS based off like NCAA 2006, the video game. So most they were going to come out with another one of those, like those. They've been like t- teasing it for so long, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Okay. Football will be defunct as a sport before they can bring that back. <laughs> um, so really, we don't know anything about Texas State. It's more a question of how much we can think about Colorado scoring more than five touchdowns. Okay, so just position. just to be fun, since I know, I mean, really no clue about this, I will just pick the opposite of what you pick. So okay, whatever yeah. you want, or just give me what you want, out you know, whatever it is. I'll let you do this. So we'll... I got to go Buff Stampede. All right. Buff Stampede minus 35 and a half. And so Dave will take the buffs. All right, so that's where we differ, and really just because... We need some differentiation. We do it. I have no clue. Yeah, they're... I've got nothing. I actually feel pretty good. Like, I probably would have taken the that, points. That's a, that's lot, a lot of points. points. The 35.5 is really where the, the yeah. money gets made. Like, you got a score, you got a seven plus yeah, touchdowns. Yeah. I'm counting on like uh, a 56 <laughs> to seven type thing. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. You, you know, if you had to point a gun to my head, they probably get the offense rolling and they score yeah. a bunch of points. Only scoring 17 last week. Maybe they kind of make it, uh, they make it work. I, I don't know, but yeah, that's a, that's a weird line. Um, okay. So I guess we're going to move on. Uh, we'll go to now we're in the top half. And again, like we said, these, these teams in the group we're talking about right now, we all have them about the same category. Uh, this next team, like I said, the what's brewing podcast, I believe it was arguing that they should have been number 12. We disagree. We put them at number six. UCLA Bruins. You can put this stupid team anywhere you want. Um, <laughs> this was the dumbest game I can remember watching. Um, yeah, okay. Go back. Maybe I wasn't sober for the entire proceedings. But so UCLA, 
um, got down in this game 44 to 10 with roughly four minutes to go in the third quarter. For them to win from that point required such a confluence of stupidity, like led by a confederacy of dunces, that it was just stunning to watch. Noel Mazzoni, Texas A&M's offensive coordinator, literally just had to use all of the play clock. Play clock. Um, not the play clock. Um, play clock. If he had done that, instead of like snapping the ball with 15 seconds left, like think about how quickly they need to score to score five touchdowns in 19 minutes. Like they have to get the ball and score like every three and a half minutes. Um, and if you just, you know, run out, you could the have clock, taken a knee. Yeah. Just take knees and like, you would like shave off two minutes every single time you have the ball, basically. Um, so that was crazy. It was crazy to watch. Um, it wasn't like there was turnovers, right? Or anything. No, no. Texas A&M did not turn the ball over <laughs> and UCLA had to drive long fields for each of those touchdowns. So like it was like 60 to 70 yards on every single drive. Taking a knee. Each and punting. Punt, like we say, punting is winning. Punting is winning, as the great bard Rick <laughs> Neuheisel once said. Um, it was so dumb. Uh, it was just, I mean, it was so much fun. Like, so much fun to watch. Just, if you're not even a fan, like, so many people were going crazy on Twitter watching this very stupid football yes. game. Uh, it was some of the most fun I've had watching a football game in a while, just because it was like such low investment like emotionally at all you're just watching a game and it was so dumb for so long and then it got dumb in a really different way and it was a ton of fun to watch josh rosen uh he played really poorly in the first half didn't look great um didn't look great starting out the third quarter and then really turned it on in the fourth quarter still made some like baffling throws like baffling in a bad way where it was like dude that should have been picked that should have been picked that was just a duck he threw into the end zone and some guy kind of fell under it and caught it. Um, but he also made some sterling throws, sterling decisions. Uh, he was thrown over the middle, like just lasers. Um, finding Caleb Wilson, tight end who, uh, caught for over 200 yards, 15 balls for 200 yards. Yeah. Um, they couldn't cover him for some reason. No, they, they just decided, no, we're not, we're not covering that guy. Um, but it was, I mean, there were a lot of things wrong for UCLA. I mean, the run defense, whew, I mean, they gave up almost, uh, it was close to 400 yards on the ground. Um, they can't run the ball still. Um, so there's a lot of the same issues from last year. It's just now you kind of have Josh Rosen. You've got a slightly more competent offensive scheme. Uh, maybe not even slightly, maybe more than slightly, but yeah. you've got a, a better, a better scheme, probably better, better offensive staff overall. And you've got Josh Rosen. So you win these sorts of games, but they've got some questions to answer defensively. Um, they were, they had, Virtually no answer until deep into the third quarter for for A&M's running game. And then uh, they just still couldn't run the ball. And that's a worry. Yeah. If uh, So I, my biggest recommendation would be when, like, the replay comes on, a Pac-12 network. So kind of time it up. Go to David Woods' uh, Twitter <laughs> feed. And it's just kind of read the times, like, when it starts. And he tweets. And, okay, start. And then, right. you know, time it out. So, like, okay, I'm supposed to read his tweet right but, now right. after this – Given up this long run or whatever. And just we to, should do like a video sync where it pops up, like the tweet pops up as video. the thing is happening. That would be so good. Some of the tweets, I mean, I was literally rolling as I'm trying, I'm trying to write stories and I'm yeah. just laughing at David. So then I, I mean, I completely missed Clay Helton's press conference. Like he has a phone call <laughs> thing because I got so invested in this game and basically reading David's Twitter. Um, now my beat writer was on the call. It doesn't matter. I didn't have to be on it, but I just, I was totally spaced because. It was so entertaining. At one point, Dave was like, okay, 
uh, UCLA loses by 40, over, under, go, or something like that. <laughs> and, like, and then, like, immediately okay. after that, they started the comeback. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was great. At one point, I was like, all right, people start screenshotting these tweets because I'm going to have to start deleting them soon. I haven't deleted a tweet. No, he hasn't. I, I, I feel bad for Dave. Then once the comeback happened, and I, to be honest, like, I was trying to write, and I wasn't I – I thought they were just down even – I didn't think they – I thought they were down, like, seven, so they were trying to tie it up. And I think I tweeted from, like, the Pac-12 – Right. They go for two. And then I, wait, shit, they're going to win. Like they're, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't even, I totally spaced that they only need an extra point. No, it snuck up on you. Yeah. It, it, no, it really did. Cause like suddenly you're sitting there and like, oh, it's 44 31. Okay. I can see how this could happen if Texas A&M continues to call plays stupidly. Okay. And then it was 44 38. And you're like, oh, okay. And then they scored a touchdown. What? What? <laughs> and it was like on, it, it, the, the end game was so dumb too. So they're on this final drive to score uh, 44-38, and they convert a fourth down, and the guy goes out of bounds, right? So the clock stops. Yeah. But then on the next play, Rosen fakes spiking the ball and then throws the touchdown. Only how dumb are those Texas A&M players that they think he's actually going to spike the ball when the clock is already dead? Yeah. Right? Like, (laughs) Jamaba went out of bounds. The clock is dead. It's it's stopped. And then he goes for the fake spike and the touchdown, and they all kind of, like, stopped because they thought it was – a real spike. The uh that was a ballsy little swing pass to oh, yeah. Jamal, but like first of all, that that's the timing's never easy. No. And it's not even about being a great quarterback. It's just he's kind of have to put it in the right spot. And he did yeah. and, and then you're relying on him to make Well, that's a, guy a tricky miss. throw. You're throwing that from just kind of whatever angle you can get it off and it's just yeah, that was not easy. Yeah. And then the the that I someone was tweeting me the the final touchdown catch on the the spike was he bobbling the ball? He, it should have been reviewed. I doubt it would have been overturned okay. on the field, but it should have been reviewed. I yeah. mean, it was the ball moved like as he was bringing his foot down, and whether he secured it before his foot released from the ground is probably the big question. Okay, and it's the kind of thing where I think it was probably up in the air enough. It wasn't like it was falling down his you know legs while he was doing it, but it should have been reviewed. So the uh, so if you remember, like I forget what the score going into the half was, but. Um, or it's close. So UCLA's driving. Uh, I think Rosen gets sacked or something. I don't know. It's like fourth and long and he starts rolling out and, and gets sacked again and, you know, limps off the field. And so, and so Texas A&M has like a minute left and they're like midfield or something. So it looks like they're going to pile more points on and Rosen is now like hurt, you know, and you're like, okay, this, obviously right. there's no chance in hell that UCLA is going to win this game. And somehow the, 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 the Bruin defense stopped. Texas A&M, so that was a big play, like yep. not allowing the score before half. And then Rosen, you know, who didn't look good, comes back and obviously has a, a great second half. But just from that moment, even the, not even just score-wise, like the score was even worse than the third. Right. But for that to happen, you're like, okay, A&M's going to punch it in. Yeah, yeah. At least score, and Rosen's hurt, no way. And then completely opposite happened. Yeah. At one point, I think it was in the third quarter, Texas A&M was 99.9% <laughs> like they were likely to win at that yeah. point. So it was like a one in a thousand game. I mean, it was the second biggest, I think, college football, uh, comeback, comeback ever, I think. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of stupid. It was a lot of fun. Um, recommend watching it if you don't, if you haven't already. Um, just, and watch the whole thing. Like watch how bad UCLA was <laughs> until they suddenly weren't. And it was, uh, it was great. And it's like, there was two games. And so I normally would have switched off this game, but because of the show, like I'm going to stay on the game right. because, West Virginia and Virginia Tech was a good game. Was a really good game on the other channel yeah. at the same time for whatever reason. Right. So, but I'm like, no, no. I, I flipped over a couple times and caught a couple good plays, but I, I'm like, I'm staying on this. 
not expecting like right. a good game to happen. And then everyone's on Twitter like, oh my God, flip back to the other one. Yeah. And so many people are like, yeah, I stopped watching. Yep. I was wondering like how many people, and I'm, I'm not bagging. I wouldn't have blamed anybody. Like it was oh, a bunch of people, hell. bunch of people left. So a bunch of people left at halftime that I know. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that were gone and. Oh, so, yeah. So it, that's what, if you stayed and you braved you the know, heat, the, the heat elements and, stuff, and then you got rewarded. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Dealing with that stupid game for so long. <laughs> um, all right. So UCLA, uh, next we, moves on to take on Hawaii. Oh, we didn't cover this. We, we both picked, uh, UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. So we're both wrong. And they, we, yeah, they didn't cover. They won the game, but they did not cover the, yeah. uh, four point spread. But I do feel good that I've said all along, Joshua, I'm like, I think Joshua has a big year. In the first half, I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking right. about. And then I, I tweeted out, like, I feel better about this now. Like, <laughs> like, I feel better. You know, he, he made NFL type throws, even when he was getting beaten the hell up in the pocket and stuff, throwing these darts. And you're like, that's what scouts like. And I still have people kind of arguing on Twitter. Well, he threw these ducks and blah, right. blah, blah, blah. But that, what you saw there is why he's going to be a high draft. Yeah. He's going to be a top five pick. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, UCLA next takes on Hawaii. Uh, this is on Saturday. This is a 2 p.m. Pac-12 kick, so you'll have something to watch in the early afternoon if you have the Pac-12 network, which you probably don't. Um, Hawaii is 2-0. and um, Hawaii is not bad. Um, okay. And UCLA is favored by 23 points. And I think this one opened as UCLA minus 14.5, so it actually has moved quite a bit already. Um, they're now favored by 23. Um Hawaii's not bad. They went on the road in week one and beat UMass, which is a, I mean, it's an FBS school. They're not good. And but, that's an 8,000 mile trip. Or right. Something. It's a yeah. huge trip. It was a crazy, crazy trip to make. Um, and then they beat, I think, Western Carolina last week, uh, pretty comfortably at home. Um, I, I, 23 points seems like a lot because I think some of what we saw from UCLA against, um, Texas A&M last week was, or this, yesterday uh, was fool's gold um are they the team that really struggled for the first three and a, or two and a half quarters or are they the team that really lit it up over the last quarter and a half i don't think we know the answer to that question i think they're better than than hawaii um i think they should win this game comfortably 23 feels like a lot though so i'll take hawaii i think i'm gonna go same way um yeah it's uh I would go 21. I think I would think it's like, that's just, you know, more than three touchdowns. I think is a lot. It's yeah. not a, it's not a bad Hawaii team. Like you said, um, yeah. I don't expect the last two games in the Rose bowl have been absolute like yeah. thrillers. I don't expect the same one here, but who knows? Maybe we get another one, but because we've had two in a row that have been yeah. like ridiculously close and amazing. These things come in threes. Maybe a third one happens and that means 23 yeah. points. We're going to win. So I will, uh, I'll go with you and I'll stay. Um, I'll take Hawaii and take those points. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So number five, I think we kind of slowed down a little bit. That, that was such a crazy game though. Yeah, we yeah. had to talk about it. Okay. Number five, we have Oregon Ducks. And this is a game we probably don't need to talk about a whole no. bunch. Um, Oregon, it wasn't a very competitive Southern Utah team. Um, Oregon was really impressive offensively. Um, Justin Herbert looked great. Um, in his first game of the season, uh, running the ball, they looked fantastic. Royce Freeman, uh, Ben Wad, Brooks James, all looked really, really good. Um, they ran the ball for 6.7 yards per rush, almost 350 yards on the ground, 350 yards through the air. Um, early returns on Willie Taggart's offense are, it's pretty good. Um, you know, I don't know how much you can take from a game against Southern Utah, but I thought they looked, 
pretty much what they needed to do. They looked like, you know, a pretty good team against a bad SES school. And, you know, anytime you score 77 points, no matter who it's against, that's impressive. Yeah, it was the most points they scored in, I forget how many, yeah. like 80 years, some, some crazy like that, some ridiculous amount of years. They, the opening kickoff, right. uh, return for a touchdown. So it was kind of pretty much over from there. I think it was, I think it was start 7-7, but, um, yeah. So we would, we picked Oregon. We would have got this right no matter what. Like mm-hmm. they, there was no spread that was going to be 50 points. <laughs> right. Yeah. It would have had to be, for me to take Southern Utah, it would have had to be like 55. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they, would they win by, uh, 56 or yeah. 50? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so good. Yeah. So we didn't, uh, I think we kept Oregon the same, but we might have moved them up. We might have moved them up above UCLA, but again, you know, similar. We like the way Herbert looked. Uh, I think Royce Freeman, uh, you know, he was out there doing pretty well. So I, you know, that's what we want to see. Uh, the big one is going to be this week, uh, against Nebraska. So maybe we should, uh, talk about that. Yeah. So this is, uh, let me pull up our schedule E thing here. So Nebraska is coming to town on Saturday. Um, if you don't want to watch UCLA versus Hawaii, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't, but if you don't want to watch that, this is on 1.30 PM on Big Fox. Oregon's favored by 14 points. Um, so odds makers, are jumping on the ducks early here because I don't think the line was that big in the preseason. Um, Nebraska struggled last week or two days ago. We got to stop saying last week. Yeah. It was literally two days ago <laughs> against Arkansas State and Arkansas State's, a, you know, a decent right. team. That's a, that's a program that's like been a power, um, down south. So, um, Nebraska struggled a little bit with them, um, offensively, um, not great. Um, and defensively, you know, they gave up a lot through the air. Um, I think Oregon's probably got, I mean, Oregon's gonna, I, I feel pretty good about them winning this game. I don't think Nebraska is one of their stronger Nebraska teams. 14 points though. I mean, we've got to really be buying, um, Oregon being super explosive after last week. And I think they are. I think their running backs truly are. I think Justin Herbert is quickly going to push himself into that top four, top five quarterback in the conference conversation here. Uh, shortly, um, you know, he was showing signs of it last year as a freshman. So I think he could make that, that leap this year. Um, I think I'll take Oregon. I feel good oh, about him okay. at home. Minus 14. Um, it's a little high. I would love it if the line were more like Oregon minus 10, but at minus 14, I still feel pretty good about it. I don't think Nebraska's that good this year. I had already written you down for taking Nebraska. I thought you were taking them, but I was, no, I'm I doing that thing where I talk myself, uh, a certain <laughs> way and then I go against whatever I said. <laughs> Very good. I'm going to go. I'm sticking with it with Oregon too. So this will be my like, all right. If they, if they cover this spread, I'll probably be picking a lot of Oregon games mm-hmm. throughout the year. But if I, if they don't, then they'll like sort of like me with ASU. They'll sour me and then I'll be like, I'm not picking you or any more Oregon. Yeah. Like this will be the last time I pick ASU if they don't cover against San Diego State. <laughs> uh, good stuff there though. So that's, um, the big game. I mean, that's, that's definitely one to watch on Big Fox. I think it's that one and then USC. Stanford right after that. Mm-hmm. I think they're both on yeah, Big Fox. Yeah, it's going to be a fun fun series of games on Big Fox. On Big Fox. All right, so we'll make sure to uh, check that one out. The Ducks and the Willie Taggart era off to the right start again. You know, what what can you learn from Southern Utah? Eh, you know, but it, it could have looked a lot worse. So It could have looked a ton worse, yeah. and it looks like they're at least competent on offense. Yeah. And we'll see. They'll be against a really big opponent now this week, and we'll see for real. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our number... Uh, five team is Washington State Cougars. Number four team, right? 
Uh, oh, sorry. This is number four. Yeah, that was Oregon was number five. Yeah, My don't, bad. don't denigrate the Cougs. We already do enough of that on this Damn. podcast. Um, so Washington State did not lose to an FCS school. Breaking news. Did not lose to an FCS school in week one. Uh, they actually were, they won completely comfortably against Montana State. Uh, shut them out. 31 nothing. Uh, defense looked, I mean, if you watch this game, I mean, Montana State's not good. They're just not good, but they were able to do nothing offensively. Um, I watched like half of this game. You did? That's a lot. I watched, I watched a decent amount of this game. You watched way too much of this game. Yeah, I watched way too much of this game. Um, (laughs) but it was, um, just unable to do anything offensively. I think they had a grand total. Yeah, it was like a grand total of 143 <laughs> yards of offense. Uh, just so bad. Um, Washington State was super efficient and fine. I mean, they they threw the ball really, really well. Luke Falk, uh, three touchdowns, 311 yards. Did, had just the perfect Luke Falk game. Um, they ran the ball well. Uh, 25 carries for 150 yards, six yards a carry. That's great. Um, just they did what they were supposed to do against the Montana States of the world um, defensively. When anytime you shut out an opponent, no matter who it is, you know, it's that same corollary. If you score more than 70 points or if you shut out an opponent, that's impressive no matter who you're going against. Yeah. So I think that was a good solid win for Washington State. So they hadn't won a home opener or an opener. In six yeah. years. 2011. Um, this was a team that had a really good run defense last year. I think it's maybe even a little bit better this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's hard to tell with that opponent, but... Um, there's a lot to like on all sides, you yeah. know, for like, you know, running backs, Luke Falk, playmakers, defense. Um, this is a potential year that Leach puts it together. And, you know, would you be shocked if they won the, the Pac 12 North? I think, you know, Stanford looks good and Washington looks good, but does it I, seem I, that could I'd win? be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Like I'd be a little bit surprised, but it wouldn't be like a huge shock. I think. They're in that group of four that can do it. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they don't knock off one of the big boys in the north. Too. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. They could, they could easily do that. Maybe not beat them all, but yeah, you know, it could easily happen. Um, yeah. Washington State, Oregon should be awesome. Like that, that there's going to be that some, could be so much fun. Yeah. There's going to be some really Washington cool. State, Cal is going to be fun too. Yeah. I mean, I might throw Cal into, I mean, I'd be shocked if Cal won, but it's not an impossibility for me. Yeah. Like I, I'm I'm a big Bears fan at this point. So we, I don't think we know yet that Washington State's gonna be like that team we think that. But sure. they, they could be like they. This could be a you know that that kind of team. The first hurdle was not having a stupid loss and then winning like nine straight games later, right. but having that loss be an anchor for the rest of the season. So the fact that that didn't happen is good. And then this weekend, this is the next hurdle. This is the yeah a real hurdle. Uh, this is, so Boise State's coming to town. Uh, this is another night game, 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, ESPN. Uh, Washington State is favored by 10 over Boise State. Um, I don't think this is expected to be one of the best Boise State teams of all time, but it's certainly not a bad Boise State team. They beat a pretty good Troy team, 24-13 in week one. Um, and Troy is a team that was good last year. Um, you know, it's a, it's a low-level FBS school versus Boise State. So right. Boise won, but, um. I think that's maybe a little bit unheralded as a good win. Um, Boise's decent. Um, Washington State, we just don't know what to exactly make of them after beating an FCS school. Um, I think uh, 10 points just feels like a little bit too much for me because Boise Ooh. State is typically so well coached. They typically, you know, play strong on the road. 
I think I'm going to take Boise in the points here, but I don't feel great about it. I think 10 is a nicely set line. Wow. Very nice. Okay. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to take Washington State, and I think this is like a 21-point game. Wow. I think they're just going to, like, beat them badly. Wow. So that's just my – I just – I'm feeling good about Washington State. Um, I love the way Boise State plays and the well-coached and all that kind of stuff, but this just feels like a different – Washington State team to me, just from what I saw. I did I did didn't watch the whole game, obviously. Like I told you, don't watch too much of it. But I feel good. I'm gonna take uh Washington State here. And uh, I think they're gonna cover easily. Which means they'll probably lose. But that's you know Good. Here we are. Good. Well we've got some differentiation <laughs> this week, so yeah. it's gonna be fun. I do like that. So uh let's move on. We have our uh number three team. USC Trojans. Okay, so this is a funky game. Um, so USC eventually won 49-31, uh, beat Western Michigan. But this was, let's see, how late in the game was this tied? It was tied with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 28-28. Um, and Western Michigan was making a move, um, on the next series as well. They ended up with a field goal, but it could have easily been another tie at that point. Uh, USC's defense didn't look tremendous. Um, offensive line didn't look tremendous and Sam Darnold didn't play well, but I'd love to hear your take a little bit more on this one. Yeah. It was, uh, it was like tied seven, seven after the first 14, 14 yeah. after the halftime, 21, 21 after. Yeah. And, uh, USC came out like gangbusters. They scored in their first drive, looked, yeah. just ran the ball down their throats and then went three and out three times in a row. Yeah. Now this is a team. And so. I got this one right. I took, uh, Western Michigan in the points and yeah, took, it was like 27 and a half points. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, it ended up getting closer at the end, but it was, you know, obviously it was tied in the, in the right. fourth quarter. Um, I just felt like it was still a veteran team that even though PJ Fleck is gone, his blue collar mentality was still instilled. Like they had a really good offensive line. They had a bunch of good running backs and you talk to the scouts, like their guys that are, you know, like their left tackle is going to be like a top draft pick, you know, running backs. They got dudes that are going to be in the league. So it's not just like a good, uh, group of five sort of team. This is a, you know, a, a really good team. They won 13 games last year for a reason. They lost their quarterback. So USC could have jumped on top of them and kind of forced them into throwing the football. Right. USC didn't do that. So they allowed to stay close and they could just run the football. They ran the football, you know, with a lot of success. They didn't have to throw the football that much. And, uh, yeah, I came away impressed with what Western Michigan was doing. But USC had a bunch of stupid penalties. Their special teams play was poor. Uh, but more importantly, I thought they got pushed around on the line sometimes. I think they played better in the second half. They didn't have their, their captain on defense, Cam Smith, because he had a targeting call against Penn State in the Rose Bowl, so he missed the first half. Uh, they had Jordan Iosefa playing in his place. And I thought it did fine, but they just seemed to play better on defense once uh, uh, Cam Smith came back. Uh, they really just gave up one touchdown after halftime on defense. They gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown to, uh, wasn't it Darius Phillips? I think it is. So he's kind of like their Dory Jackson. Right. He, he intercepted four passes last year and returned three of them for touchdowns, which is pretty cool. And he, he returned like a kickoff for a touchdown too last yeah. year. So, uh, the fact that he did that, you're like, yeah, I kind of expected something like that right. to happen. Um, but you know, I think at the end it was, it was fine. Like, you know, USC probably wore him out a little bit. Maybe it's a good thing to, to get a test like that. I think people underrated how good Western Michigan is going to be. I think they're going to be a good team by the end of the year. But USC certainly didn't look anywhere near what you kind of thought they were going to be if you're picking them to be a, 
number four team in the country. Yeah, and I, I, there's always this thing, especially with – it seems to happen a lot to the L.A. schools um, where these early season non-conference opponents who – you know, you or I probably isn't thinking they're going to be a bad team like Western Michigan, but you could see a bunch of 18 to 22 year old <laughs> kids just being like, oh, it's whatever. It's some directional yeah. Michigan school, whatever will be fine. And I didn't get a ton of that. I thought they were pretty focused on the game, but watching it just like, it looked like they weren't maybe expecting the dogfight that they ended up in. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe, and it's tough. Uh, this is one thing you'll hear from coaches and players. If you talk to them off the record, it is hard, 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 hard to stay like, 95% motivated at all times in all these games. Like the, the energy expense, it's not like some finite, it's not like some infinite well of energy that yes. you have. You can't just keep it going every <laughs> single game. And so there are lulls. You'll have lulls. And I got the feeling this was one of those lulls. I don't think this is, I don't think the first three quarters of this game is the level for USC this year. I think they're a better team than they showed in those three quarters. Um, I think if they, like somebody tweeted out something, if they had played Alabama today, would the result have been any different from last year? And I think it would have, because yeah. if they were playing Alabama, they wouldn't have played like they were playing Western Michigan, you know? Um, and I don't think they would beat Alabama at this stage in the season, because no. Alabama murdered Florida State. Yes. It, the final score does not indicate how much they murdered Florida State. <laughs> um, but I don't think it would be whatever it was last year, 56 to 3 or something yeah, crap. Yeah, it was um, six, yeah. yeah, but, um, I don't think it would be that, but I think, USC has some work to do. Um, I don't think, you know, if, if people expect them to run away with the conference, I think it's pretty obvious after week one that's not going to happen. There are some teams that are, you know, Cal's suddenly a tough, like, that's not going to be an easy out. Right. Um, there's, there are teams that are not going to be an easy out. Colorado is maybe even a little bit better than I was expecting. Utah looks like a different-ish team. Um, so I think there's maybe a little bit more like, okay, we've actually got a, and, and maybe a game like this grounds them a little bit. Yeah. It could, um, you know, we'll see. There's, there's definitely some question marks. I, I, you know, they, their final scrimmage, they didn't even have their first string defense play. Right. And then they come out and don't tackle well. And you're like, maybe you should have been playing right. tackling more. And yeah, so there, there's some questionable kind of coaching decisions. I think that were kind of out there. And, you know, USC talks about, oh, that, you know, practices are harder than games like they were with Pete Carroll. I don't think that's the case right now. Right. They got better last year the more games they were playing. Right. It's probably going to be the same thing, but obviously it's a, you know, they got a tough one, uh, in the next week's game. There's but, a way to look at it where it's the best case scenario, right? Like if they'd, if they'd played like they did, but Western Michigan wasn't a very good team and they won by five touchdowns, they wouldn't have learned anything from that yeah. game, right? But like, it's like the UCLA game. You know, it was sort of the best case scenario because you win the game, but you also demonstrably played poorly for like a huge portion of it. And so you get a lot of good info out of it too. Like, yeah. okay, we've got some issues here, here, and here. We still won the game. We still get the W, but we've got some real things to work out. Yeah. And I think that's probably the takeaway for them. Yeah. You learn, I mean, you learn from losses. I mean, a lot more, a lot of times. And this was like, you kind of look at it as a loss, a moral and then, loss. And then, uh, so, so the weird thing was like, so yeah, no one's feeling good about the game. It was hot as balls. Like I was sweating in the press box, just, you know, typing, just like, watching like, them, just watching in the shade. <laughs> now the window's open, but. Still, I mean, and I can't imagine there was, you know, you know, people passing out and all this kind yeah, of yeah. stuff that was going on. Um, and then, you know, at the end, USC kind of pulls away. Uh, you get Stephen Carr, who's a five-star freshman running back, uh, scores a couple touchdowns. He had like a 53-yarder that looked pretty ridiculous. Um, uh, so you kind of feel good about that. They got to pick six. So to make it even a little, you know, to, to make it 18. So it's, you know, if you didn't watch the game, you know, the Pac-12 network. So a lot of people didn't. You're like, oh, they won by 18. I guess a team that, you know, won a lot of games last year, that's fine. 
But then the other thing that I think kind of saved some of the criticism, now, they still get a lot of it on our message boards, but, um, so if, if you know the story of Jake Olson, oh, yeah. he's, uh, so when he was a kid, he loved Pete Carroll and the, and the team brought him around. One of those like mascot kids yeah, yeah. that came around and he had a very rare, uh, cancer in his eye. So when he was a little kid. He lost one eye. And by the time he was 12, he figured like they, they were going to have to take the other eye because right. of the cancer. So the last thing he wanted to do was come to a USC practice and he did and he like snapped the ball with, you know, it, so this was like his thing. And then basically he went from USC practice and had surgery to remove his other eye, right. uh, which is, you know, this horrible, sad thing. Then he's old. Now he's like six foot three, like right. 220 pounds now. A couple years ago, like we find out, oh, he wants to go to USC and I'm like, okay. And he played at Orange Lutheran and was like the yeah. long snapper for a couple yeah. of years. Like, as a blind kid, you're like, what the hell? So I have him on the podcast and we're talking. He does motivational speaking. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's an incredible kid. Like, it just makes you feel like a terrible person. Right. Talking, I'm like, why can't I do like a yeah. quarter of what you've yeah, done exactly. in your life? And I find out he could like beat me at golf. Like he's a, like can shoot like the seventies in golf. You're like, you're blind. Like, How the <laughs> is possible? So anyway, so we had him on and I had not really had a lot of communication with him since he's been on the team and. You know, then the coaching stuff got weird. Like, I think Sark wanted to get him into games, but then he, he was all wackadoodle and stuff. Right. And it never really happened last year. And Clay Helton kind of hinted that it was going to happen this year. Didn't think it would happen this early. Marvell Tell getting a pick six at the end of the game kind of opened this up. Right. Where And and Clay Helton had called Tim Lester, right. the uh, coach, during the week and set, you know, tried to set it up. He said, if you – he goes, the first time Western Michigan scores, we won't try to block the extra point. We'll back off. If when we put in Jake Olson, you do the same thing. And Tim Lester was like, yeah, that's great. So I didn't notice this, but if you, I went back and looked at the tape, the first extra point, USC didn't rush. Right. Western Michigan kicks it. And then in the final one, the same sort of thing happened and he, you know, perfect freaking snap. And, uh, they, yeah. they hit the extra point and it was just, you know, like the feel good story of, of everything. And I, it, it was pretty special to just be, I, cool. I'm, I'm like a cold, cold hearted person. And so like most <laughs> of that stuff usually is like, uh, garbage you know sugary nonsense but this one actually i was like oh that's that's really great yeah. like it was i yeah and i loved reading the story about it like them calling each other and working it out and what the western michigan coach said to his players and all that kind of stuff just love that and it was just so good to to see that happen and the, okay so the most random thing happened to me too and i, I we're going along and i feel bad but and i don't know you're you probably got scheduled. so i'm uh after the, you go to the locker room, you go to the press room and they brought out Jake Olson. So he was answering questions and stuff. And it was really, you know, heartwarming. Then we go outside and we wait for players to come out of the locker room. We can interview them there. And, you know, I'm, I have to run to a wedding. I have to go downtown and like put a suit on stuff. I'm like, I just want to get a couple of interviews and get right. the hell out of there. And for whatever reason, I look at my phone. I probably got like 30 emails of from my podcast, people like bitching about how bad USC played and stuff like that. For some reason, one email stuck out and I read it and I never, I never do this. And it's from like a name I kind of recognize, but didn't from like an ex-girlfriend from like the mid 2000s, like 12, 13 right. years ago. She emailed me, Hey Ryan, it's been more than a decade. How you doing? And I was like, okay. And she lives like in Baton Rouge. She has a six year old son who's going blind. He saw the game and was like super inspired and felt like he could do something because of what he saw with Jake Olson. She asked me like, Hey, can oh you get God. his autograph or something? So there's no way I would have even known. Yeah. And I just looked at my phone and I look up and then Jake Olson is right there. Like my video reporter, Keely's interviewing Jake. And I haven't talked to him really in a couple of years. Like he's been on the team. I didn't right. really bother him. So I'm like, and as a media member, you're not really supposed to like go do get autographs right. and stuff like that. 
I go over there and then like one of the family members come up and talking to him and then I tell him, hey, Jake, it's Ryan Abraham. I had to do my podcast. He goes, oh, yeah, I remember. Blah, blah. He goes, Look, I got the weird thing. I tell him the story. He's like, yeah, cool. So I just put my phone up and just have him video. And then off the cuff, he gives like a 30 second, like inspirational personal message for Noah, who's the six year old, you know, son of my like ex girlfriend from more than like a long so time. So cool. Ago. It was like the neatest, weirdest, like coolest kind of thing. And I wrote a story on it, put it up on usafootball.com, but it was, uh, the most random, like, like, you know, there's some kind of divine intervention <laughs> going on that I even saw that. Yeah. And then, he, and I was worried, like, I don't want to bother him, but like, Knowing him, like he would just do it, and like sports are so good sometimes. Yeah, and like he was, it was probably the best night of his life. Like everyone was coming, oh, hugs, yeah. kisses, you know, interviews. Like ESPN, like they're doing live radio stuff with sure. him, TV. So it was cool that he did this tape, this little message for Noah, and then he, you know, I sent it to her. Like I went to the press box, sent it to her, and then I wrote a story yesterday on it and stuff. And then she was like so appreciative and everything. It was just like the like the craziest thing. And she told him like once he saw that message. He told, you know, uh, Karen, uh, his mom is like, I-, I can do anything now. I can, I'm blind. I can do anything even if I'm blind. And you're like, it's just like, that's exactly the message you wanted to hear. So that is so cool. Crazy. So yeah, sometimes sports are just like, sometimes that. sports are good. <laughs> so right up. So sorry for the whole like thing there, but I just thought no, that was, it was like, great. Yeah. Um, we should get to USC's next game. Yeah. Maybe in a couple of spots because they're playing a pack. Yeah. We'll do that. So we'll do the preview, uh, later. Okay. So our number. Two team, we're going to talk about Washington Huskies. <laughs> yeah, so Washington's kind of the same thing that we said about USC and UCLA in that they won a game, but they got some information about their team that, uh, you know, they've got some, some kinks to work out. Um, they beat Rutgers on the road 30 to 14. And if this was an average Big Ten team that they beat on the road 30 to 14, you'd say, oh, great win, great win, solid win. Uh, Rutgers was bad last year. Um, and I don't see any indication they're going to be like super good this year. Um, and they only beat them by 16. This is a team that was shut out four times last year and lost those combined games by like 200 points. So the line was 27 and a half. We both took Washington and were, what's the opposite of right? We were, we were very wrong. Wrong. Um, so Washington was really unable to run the ball. Um, with any consistency, Miles Gaskin was okay, but LeVon Coleman really didn't do much. They weren't, they didn't really try to run that much. Um, but they only averaged three and a half yards of carry. Um, Jake Browning was fine. Um, I, I didn't think it was one of his better games. I think Rutgers doesn't have a great defense, but he was fine. Um, Rutgers was, so the, the final stats aren't going to show it. Rutgers was able to run the ball in real spots here. Yeah. Like they were able to move the ball um it, it for long stretches in the first half especially. They were really able to move the ball on Washington. Um I think there's some stuff for Washington to work out. I think their run defense is a little bit of an issue because they were getting gashed for stretches in this game and this is not a talented Rutgers team. No. And then offensively, maybe it's the loss of John Ross. I, I, I kind of don't think so. I think it's mostly that running game. I think there's just something that's maybe not quite right there. Um, but they've got some stuff to work out because this doesn't look like the team that started off last year, just kind of world beaters from snap one. Um, it seems like they've got some stuff to work out and it's totally possible. And this was a weird game. You know, you go on the road to New Jersey. Um, you still win by two scores. Um, so good solid win, but if they're going to be a playoff contender, 
they're going to need to play at a better level than this. Yeah. Did P- Pettis had a pretty good game, right? Or did, did Pettis I... was good. Pettis okay. was good. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, that speed element that John Ross provides, it right. just kind of stretches defenses by itself. This one looked um, – so we both thought they'd cover, and obviously they didn't. It looked – this felt – looked more like what we thought Stanford and Rice would be, where it's right. like you do enough to win, but you're not, like, overexerting yourself or showing – you know, I guess showing too much. Because you got Montana come up, and got right. you want to show to it. But you know, just one of those teams where it's like, well, coach, like, hey, this is enough. We're going to do this and, and move on. But it didn't, it didn't feel like that. It looked like there was just spots where Washington didn't, didn't know what to do. And I think they've had guys go in the NFL from this defense every year, and they always do an amazing job of just replacing and moving on. And you, you know, it's just a names right. changes, but they still have guys that are making plays. But Kevin King and Sidney Jones and Buda Baker, like it, it seemed like that hurt not being in there, especially guys coming up to help support the run. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's not like, you know, big alarms and no, you know, it's not hitting the panic button yet, but there's some stuff to work out. Yeah. And they've got two more games to really work stuff out. I mean, so it's this week. We're not going to spend any time on this, but they play Montana <laughs> at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, there's no line on this game yet. It's on the Pac 12 network. Montana coming to Washington. I mean, I'd take Washington just. Let me throw it out there. I would take Washington minus twenty eight here. I don't know if I would take a minus thirty five, but I would take minus twenty eight. Yeah, that's that's, that's fair. Yeah. I would go into the thirties maybe, but um, I, I think they'll kind of bounce back a little bit. Yeah, and that's you know, and when you do travel all that way, which makes Cal's win that much more impressive. Exactly, it's not easy to go to the East Coast. The NFL teams don't have an right. easy time going on the East Coast. So, um, Cal's at nine a.m. on the East Coast, which NFL, NFL teams don't have to do. Uh, that was pretty. Impressive. This was a Friday night game, so it wasn't yeah. like a... Still weird, but yeah, it was... Or Friday evening yeah. or whatever it ends up being. Um, and, and then after that, it's Fresno State, um, and that should be a fairly cakey Fresno State team. Um, and then, But it does look a little bit tougher for them than it did preseason once they get into conference. Going at Colorado, I think, is a little bit tougher than I was estimating it would be at that point. Um, and going and having Cal come to town, I don't think is going to be a complete cakewalk. cakewalk. But going to Oregon State is now um, just a vacation. All right. So that was our number two team. And that means still at number one, Stanford Cardinal. Stanford so played at BYU. Oh, wait, no, they had a bye. Yeah. After their really <laughs> tough, like hard fought win over Rice, they got a nice, well deserved week off. Um, and now Stanford, which we think is the class of the league so far based off of what we've seen, but they played Rice, so who knows? Um, they're going to USC. Yeah. And, uh, so that's the game, uh, probably the, uh, maybe it might be the class of that entire day in terms, I don't, I don't know what the other, like, non. You have, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma. That's a good one. I think this might be, this one might be better because I think Oklahoma is always a little overrated. Yeah. Um, so Stanford uh, going at USC. Uh, Stanford's ranked 14th. USC is ranked fourth. Um, but in our power ranking, Stanford is number one and USC is number three. This is on at 5:30 on Big Fox, and USC is favored by seven. You have seven now. Okay, I had six and a half earlier. Seven. I have seven now. They are okay. favored by a full touchdown wow. over Stanford. Um. So what they're banking on here is that USC really did kind of play down to Western Michigan last week and that Stanford is maybe not as good as we think after they beat Rice by 55 points. I think that's what we've got to be saying here and that the USC is going to be playing a little bit up over their level that they played against Western Michigan. Um, 
Yeah, like I I've seen you like I think USC can win this game for sure. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think you know two very talented teams. Uh, you don't want to put too much stock into the first week and Stanford playing in Australia and all that stuff, but. I felt more like a pick em in this one. Like, I, you know, something like that. If you gave me USC minus three, that feels fine. Yeah. Like, I, I think getting the home field advantage, this series has been competitive. Like, it's been a weird series where a lot of times the team you expect to win doesn't win and the team you do expect to win, you know, kind of screws the pooch a little bit. Um, but this feels like a lot of points. Um, yeah. it could very easily go that way. I wouldn't be shocked if it did. But I gotta go Stanford here. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, yes. and I think, you know, this is a really interesting spot for Stanford, especially because looking at the schedule, like I could see them legitimately if they win this one. I mean, I don't want to predict 12 and 0 at that point, but when we were doing this preseason, I said 10 and 2, um, and this was one of the two. And so I could, I mean, it suddenly becomes something that's somewhat reasonable for yes. me to go and say, Oh yeah, they could do it. Um, and if they win this one, it suddenly, I think, really puts them in the driver's seat against Washington, even though Washington has an easier start to the season, because this was the one game that Washington doesn't have to play. Right. So if Stanford wins this, this one. This is what dings Stanford. For, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if they win it, it's like a bonus. Yes. Um, I feel good about my pick to, you know, Stanford. And you, man, if you would have just voted, we would have had two picks in the in I know, media I know. poll. But I kind of like being the only one that picked, uh, I saw RJ Abadia at the, uh, I went to the did Bishop Gorman. Thank you Gorman. for your loyalty to the Cardinal. He did, yes. A Bishop Gorman and, uh, modern day game that was at the right. Santa Ana Bowl. So I, I ran into him. I was reminded because, no, I know, I know you, you picked Stanford. Um, I think more people would be switching to Stanford now, especially Washington look good. Now Washington might run the table and be an amazing sure, team sure, all sure. year. We don't know. Just get the feeling that Stanford's going to be really good. So to me, this is a, you know, I think both of these teams are going to be really good. So the play is second week of the season. You know, this is our first Pac-12 game ever. You, you, would you like to see like a a Cal Washington State be the first game oh, this year? That's not too bad. Or Oregon right. State Arizona State? No, that be the first no, one? no, no. Oregon State Arizona would be. <laughs> can't do that. Um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think Darnold's going to play better with the lights on. You know, big time, big. You know, he he tends to play better does, in that yeah. kind of spotlight atmosphere. Um, and I think Stanford will come to play. You know, they always do. Um, and I think this will be a it should be a ton of fun. Everyone yeah. should watch this from from minute one. Yeah. So uh, good stuff. So you, so we're both taking over. Stanford plus seven, right? We're both going to take Stanford plus. Are seven. we both taking Stanford to win outright? Uh, no, I kind of think I kind of feel USC is going to win a close one on this one. I think a three point sort of thing. I think Darnold will put it together. Yeah, I kind of um, think so too. But I would I wouldn't be surprised if Stanford you know rolled them if USC got on a roll and somehow rolled. There is Stanford. no result. In this game that would shock me. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, you know, what if one team was up by 34 points halfway through the It's too early in the season, and we've got too little information to yes. actually be shocked by anything right. besides UCLA beating Texas A&M yesterday yeah. after being down 44 to 10. We could overrate Stanford or USC or underrate either one. So I, I don't think I would be all that shocked. It just feels like it's going to be a good, close game. I think David Shaw's, you know, if they get a bunch of like good special teams plays, USC played pretty poorly on special teams. I think that could be a difference giving sure. like a close win for USC to a close win for Stanford, but, uh, we'll see. Uh, it should be a good one. All right. So those were that we have, I think we have some questions that we have to. Yeah. You want to grab some? I guess we could. Um, let's see. I'll pull up my email. 
Andrew, uh, Anthony says, Ryan and Dave, is USC still a top five team after week one? Yeah, I'm just going to say yes still. You? Yeah, that seems fine. Uh, I, I do think Western Michigan is going to be pretty good. Now we'll Top see five teams do this all the time. Like you, no, not everyone is Alabama. And even Alabama does this from time to time where yeah, you're just not taking it super seriously. Right. I mean, until we know more, like if they suddenly lose to Stanford, then yeah, we can say they're not a top five team, but. Then Washington, are they still a top 10 team? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's close enough. I don't think you can dig them too much for a, a road a, win a, by double a, digits. I guess yeah. a power five opponent. Yeah. That's shitty power five opponent, but <laughs> right. it's a power five opponent. Yeah. Okay. And if you were a couple of uh, very good, if you were a coach of a very good power five program, would you schedule a difficult game to start the season or schedule inferior opposition for week one? Uh, degrees. It's varying degrees. I would never schedule the pure Patsy because yeah. I don't think you get anything positive out of that. Um, but I would. I don't know that I would schedule like super marquee either. I prefer getting the marquee game second and you schedule like your mid level. Like if UCLA could have switched it and done Hawaii first and then done Texas A&M because Hawaii gives you some information, right? Like you beat them. Hawaii's decent. Yeah. Um, you beat them and you probably get some good takeaways that you can build on for Texas A&M. Um, I would have flipped that. Um, I like that kind of style a little bit more where you're playing like a mid-ish level opponent and then your big marquee one week two. Yeah. I like, I kind of like that too. Never, you know, if you can avoid FCS, then do it. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of get credit for playing like, a, a, a North Dakota or yeah, North Dakota North, state or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Or if you want to play like, you know, like an Iowa state or something where they're like a lower yeah. level power five team, but then, you know, always get the big one. I always like having a big one in there, but I think we want to have. I'd love to see consistency where the Pac-12 plays eight or nine games, the same as the SEC. Right. Where the SEC only playing eight conference games just kind of it just inflates everything. Right, so, it devalues things. Yeah, uh, we got oh, we got a Washington State fan. Oh no, Scott in Washington State, go dog! So he's not a Washington State fan. He's a uh, he's in Washington State, but he's a forgive Husky us. fan. Uh, dear David Ryan, after week zero and week one, David will either be one and seven or zero for eight depending on the UCLA result. Uh, and Ryan will be one game better only because he went contrarian on USC to not cover against Western Michigan. I didn't go contrarian. I just didn't think they were mm-hmm, going to cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To get back to your win percentage from last year, you both literally have to pick 66% winners against the spread from here on out. Hashtag no pressure. Hashtag tapped out in Vegas two hours into your trip. Okay, two questions. Why does the Pac-12 continually have the SC-Stanford game played so early? I think we talked about this before. It's, it's because just, of Notre Dame, right? Yeah, Notre Dame and yeah. and also... USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford all play each other every right. year, so that kind of limits some of the scheduling. I don't understand the the rationale for burning one of your few marquee games off in week two. It'd be uh, it would be the equal to having, say, Florida, LSU, or Ohio State, Michigan State go at it, and both of those conferences would tell ESPN and Fox to go pound sand at that request. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a scheduling thing. I think some of the Pac-12 scheduling is is wackadoodle, but. This um, seems fine to me, actually. I like getting a, a big, and it tends to happen like once a year where you, and it's not always USC or Stanford, like, um, UCLA's done it a couple of times where they've played actually Stanford early in the season, but this happens fairly consistently among that group of four teams. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's a lot of fun getting this game early. Um, USC and Stanford have had a lot of fun week two battles over the years. And then he wants to know, uh, Stanford beats USC if, and SC beats Stanford 
if if Stanford can um, keep USC from getting above five yards per carry, I think they'll have a really good chance of winning that game. I think they've got to shut down SC's running game, force Darnold to beat him. And I think Darnold will beat him, you know, uh, fairly regularly, yeah. series by series. But if they can limit the running game a little bit, I think Stanford can win that game. And USC... Oh, I mean, they've got to find a way to just keep that Stanford offense off schedule. Yeah. Um, if, if Stanford is able to grind out four or five yards per carry, cause I, I think for Stanford, they got to keep SC from being explosive, keep them under five yards of carry. But I think USC has to keep Stanford like under four and a half, four <laughs> yards of carry because yeah. that's fine for Stanford. They're fine having, having to do that. Keep from playing Stanford's game where they're slowing it down and really trying to just pound you. Um, and I think if they can do that, they should win. Yeah, I think it's a line of scrimmage thing. And USC kind of got pushed around by Western Michigan. You can't let Stanford do that. So either way you want to look at it, like Stanford wins if they control the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think, too, Stanford's probably going to be the better coach team if they can limit Darnold from just doing his off-script stuff that he makes things happen, which I think and you know that gives USC a good chance to win where – yeah, maybe they screwed this up and they weren't, they weren't well coached here or whatever. And that things are going, but Sam Darnold does some crazy thing that you can't coach against and he just finds somebody open and scores a touchdown that way. If Stanford can kind of limit that from happening, then I think they give it the best shot of doing that. Uh, thanks for the podcast, Scott and Washington State. Go dogs. Thank you for that. Um, this is from Ian. Hey guys, watching the Colorado, Colorado State game, mid fourth quarter. Montez just got sacked. Uh, from the 19 to the 35, the next play, the yellow marker shows at the 25, like a fresh set of downs. The player crossed it, yet they still needed to kick a field goal, uh, aka not a first down past the yellow marker. For, for sure, the only professional TV broadcast I've seen with a mistake like that, Ian. I don't remember one where you have like a false yellow line. I've seen, I mean, I, I, I don't want to throw, I mean, I, I hate the Pac-12 network as much as anyone out there. Um, <laughs> but this happens a lot. I mean, a lot of, a lot of different uh, television broadcasts will have errors, especially with that first down marker line. There, I read a whole story about that first down marker line and how difficult it is to like do it, especially like for different like if the field is a little weird because it's got to be this yellow marker that they do, and so if it's like a snow game, it can be really hard for them to get it to register yeah. on the on the screen. And yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be mistakes like that from time to time. There, I mean, there there were mistakes back before the yellow line where just like they would have the down and distance wrong as the listing on the TV, yeah. and that just happens. The yellow line is the coolest technology. Such a thing. good invention. It's the best thing. Like, yeah, hockey came up with some weird stuff like the, the halo puck. around the puck, but just that's stupid. just stupid. The yellow line is the best. Like, it's the best. If you try to watch a game from, if without. you try to watch like a historical game <laughs> without the yellow line. It's rough. Yeah. You have no idea what's <laughs> happening. You're just like, ah, is that the first down? I don't know. They need the yellow line in the actual game. So the stands, yeah. like they put like special glasses you on. You used to need the chains. You used to need those chains to actually look and see. And now you're just like, no, it's a first down. It doesn't matter. You don't need the chains. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more. Doug, you get, you do a great job on the Pac-12 podcast and love getting some news about the conference in addition to the info I get on USC via uscfootball.com. Thanks, Ryan. You can thank Dave too. Um, uh-huh. so he's a subscriber. You guys have a serious time zone problem. All of your questions can be answered here. It's www.timeanddate.com slash world clock. Actually, Sydney is 17 hours ahead of us on the West Coast. When we watched the game at 7 p.m. Saturday night, it was noon on Sunday in Sydney. Of course, you can also calculate this by subtracting seven hours 
and adding a day. It gets even more complicated when we switch off daylight savings time because they go to their daylight savings time and the shift is two hours. Uh, among the top four to six teams, all games will be competitive and really any team could beat any other team. What percentage of team success comes from each of talent, coach, and chemistry? And how would you rate Washington, USC, UCLA on each of those three dimensions? Thanks, Doug. He's DRB1981SC on the Peristyle. Okay, so he said the three coaching, talent, and chemistry? Yes. Um, I would say coaching is 40%. I would say talent is, well, I'd say coaching is 45%. I would say talent is like a 35%, and I would say chemistry. I, I, I don't like differentiating chemistry from the other two because I think chemistry is informed by coaching and it helps to have talent, but I think it's, I think that's actually a big aspect of coaching. Um, is chemistry because they have to instill that. They have to pick the right captains. They have to, they're the ones who establish the culture and yeah. then the players follow. So I would just have it as a thin, like it's two factors, coaching and talent. And if I was just basing it, basing it off of those, I would have coaching at 60% and talent at 40. I think that's a, a good ratio and like kind of the order that you would want to, to have those in. And I think a team like Washington, um, I think talent's pretty good and the, the coaching chemistry stuff is really good i think that's right. you know, shines there i think with sc it's more relying on the talent side than the coaching i think there's still jury out on i think they got some good coaches and some coaches i've got questions on but i would say it's more of a that's more kind of talent there and then UCLA, it's hard to tell i mean i think there's probably more on the closer to usc with the talent and stuff and and uh not as strong maybe as some of the coaching yeah and i guess maybe there's some element of it uh, maybe what you're trying to get at with chemistry is essentially the culture that like a program instills over time, like that a Boise state with different head coaches can still produce the same basic results every single year. Maybe not as high as the heights of Chris Peterson, but they're still a consistently good program with a specific culture. Maybe that's what you're meaning with chemistry. Um, and that's something that I don't know that necessarily is specific to a particular coach. Maybe the first coach instills it. Like Oregon for so many years, you knew what you were getting. They're going to be an explosive offense and that whole deal. And that wasn't coach specific. You know, Rich Brooks kind of started it and then Mike Bellotti, it was something. And then Chip Kelly, it was something. And then Mark Elfrick, it was something. And it was the same basic thing, but it was that specific culture. And it kind of went bad at the end, but, um, maybe that's some percentage of it, but I like to think of it from a season to season perspective. And I think that's coaching and talent. And I think all three of those teams kind of have their own unique culture. I mean, Chris Peterson for sure. Right. I think you got it. Um, I think while you could question some of the, like, the coaching or whatever, some of the individual, like, uh, position coaching with Clay Helton, I do think he's brought a, a culture they needed where it's more of a, he's the adult in the room, like we've said, you know, many times before. I think I like that. Um, I'm not convinced that all the schemes and everything are, are, you know, whatever championship level, but I think he's brought the right culture back. And I think Jim Mora brought a toughness and, uh, same thing back to you. So I think they each have their, their own kind of chemistry, I guess, that the culture that you're Yeah, and it, it's just a question of when the culture goes bad, when the chemistry goes bad, because um, that's what happens to some of these coaches, right? Over time, you know, what you started with isn't necessarily what you're finishing with. Um, Jeff Tedford, you know, changed the culture at Cal, yeah. and then by the end, it had gone bad. Um, I think for like, so what was it, UCLA, USC, and Washington? Yes. Is that what we wanted to do? So USC, um, if you go by our 60-40 metric, right, I think they grade out at like 38% of the talent, right? But they need to get to 40. Um, and, you know, the 60% coaching scale, I'd put them at a solid like 45 to 50. That's so bad, yeah. total overall, they're grading out at like a solid B on that scale. And I think an Alabama is the 
top. Yeah. You know, they're 40% and they're probably 58%. They're yeah. 98%. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're, they're within that conversation, but they're, I think, a grade below. UCLA, I think, is like a 33% on the talent scale okay. and on the coaching scale, something like a 40 or 45. Um, so they're in like that C range. And then Washington, I think you get like a 55% coaching. Yeah. And you're probably getting like a 30%, um, talent, but they're, that's why they're a little bit cut above because they've got that coaching element really locked in. And it, it, you weigh the coaching more. Yeah. Um, okay. One last one from our buddy Nick. Man, I, this is like my third hour of podcasting today. So I apologize if I screw this up, but we'll, we'll finish off with Nick. Hi. It's Nick from Cyprus. Big Nick 21 USC on the P. His rundown. Uh, UND 16 versus Utah 37. Very good win for Utah and coach Willingham. Uh, Whittingham, I think he means. Uh, Utah is a solid team. UNM 31, Arizona State 37. Well, the Sun Devils won, which they can't, uh, they can't be the Beavers and lose. Great catch by the New Mexico player. Yeah, that was a, we didn't mention that. That was that one-handed sports center highlight catch in that game. Colorado State 3, Colorado 17. Big brother beats little brother here. Washington 30, Rutgers 14. Another big week one by a talented team. Uh, I don't know if it was a big week one, but. Cal, 35, New, uh, North Carolina, 30. Cal with a K just showed me they are not the worst team in this conference. That's the Beavers. Great win to former D.C. Justin Wilcox. Portland State, 32. Oregon State, 35. Well, Oregon barely won. Uh, still worst team in the conference. I think it means Oregon State, but yes. Montana State, 0. Washington State, 31. Shutout is completed. Great win for a solid, good Washington State team. Uh, Southern Utah 21, Oregon 77. Is the old Oregon team back or is this just a bad team, but still a good win? Northern Arizona 24, Arizona 62. Big win for Rich Rod. He needs every win he can get to be bull eligible and save his job. This is pretty good analysis mm-hmm. from all this stuff. We could just, oh, yeah. we, we could have just read his email and not talked about all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, instead of going two hours. <laughs> um, Western Michigan 31, USC 49. I was at this hot game. It made all the way through. Uh, LOL. USC played bad for two and a half quarters, but pulled out the win. Fight on. USC be, be, better be ready for the trees and not play like this or USC will be embarrassed. Texas A&M choke 44, UCLA 45. Tex- Texas A&M blew this game. Kevin Sumlin is on the hot seat for a reason. Good win for UCLA. Rosen will be the top first quarterback drafted. Yes, David Woods, go home and celebrate or go ahead and celebrate. And his question. Phew, sorry. If Ryan and David Woods were college were college game day and got to pick where you guys could go from week to week, please tell me where you would go from last week all the way to the end of the season. No, we do. We're not doing that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, this week we could, we could have thought about USC Stanford as opposed to they're going to um, Oklahoma Ohio State. Ohio State Oklahoma, and I think they did Ohio State last week anyway. They did Ohio State Indiana last week. On Friday or whatever. Yeah, I would 100% go to USC Stanford. Yeah. It's going to be so much more fun. Um, and then last question. Who gets the number one and number two picks, Rams or Chargers? And who goes one or two, Rosen or Darnold? Ryan and David be both teams GMs because both these teams suck. So they, too, have a good chance to go one and two. Browns and Jets have a chance, too. Uh, fight on. Okay. So Jared Goff is obviously a bust. Um, like, <laughs> and we knew that, we knew that going in, like going into his career. Don't tell Gorsey. Um, so will they be in the market for a quarterback when they go to in 14 this year? I don't think you can because they traded up to get him. Yeah, like, that's right. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's a chance of this. And the Chargers, I mean, 
Philip Rivers is still like Philip Rivers. He's still Rivers, alive. So, yeah. yeah. I think the Jets will be the worst team. And, uh, yeah. So one of these two is going to the Jets. <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, everybody. If so, if you're a USC fan and you want Darnold to stay, just hope that they lose a few games. So like if they lose to Stanford, lose like at Notre Dame, yeah. or lose like some, you know, they, you know, then there's a chance Darnold comes back. If they like win the Pac 12, I don't think there's a chance. My so. personal opinion is there's no chance that Josh Rosen is returning to school. No matter what. <laughs> My personal opinion is no. Uh, maybe it happens, but I would be stunned beyond belief. Someone asked me like twi- like during the game when they were losing, um, will Josh Rosen pull a, um, right. Uh, who was it? Like, no, no, do, it was, it was specifically, do you see yeah. Josh Rosen pulling a Miles Jack Miles and pulling Jack. himself out of school? You cc'd me on the follow up, and I said I can't see more than two feet in front of my face right. at the moment, which was funny. But yes, yeah, that was good. Um, not, I mean, people were questioning Rosen's heart and all that kind of stuff, and like people like seemed to show a lot of that yesterday. Dude, he was like, yeah, he yeah. showed a lot of heart. So yeah. now maybe things go south. I I don't see him unless he gets hurt. I don't see him like taking the the rest of the season off to prepare for the draft, but. Uh, I don't see him coming back either. But he, the way he looked, I think scouts will drool over that. And Darnold has like a different feel to him. Darnold was throwing off his back foot a lot. I, I know Rosen was too, too in the first. Rosen half. did too yeah. a lot. Um, but prototypical, like Rosen's more of the prototypical guy. Yeah. So my guess would be he would go first. But there's a long, there's one game down. We got a long, long season to go. Long season, long fun season. Nick, ahead. good stuff. Holy shit, we almost did. I swore in this one more than I swore before. Maybe because it was, it was in person. Yeah. Um. Almost two hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dave's here. Got to visit family. We got to hang we, out with his family. We just wanted to talk. Yeah. And chat. Right. And we did. No, okay. So now we have to do part two of the podcast, which is <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Well, hey, I'm glad you could come into my yeah, little, fun. little studio and uh, check stuff out. This might take forever to edit since it's two hours long. But um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast of Champions at David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Voice is almost gone. Hope you liked it, and we will talk to you next time.